Are we ready? Are you ready? We're ready. So this is just two dudes having a conversation. All right, that's it. It's Beauty and the Beast that's again, it. all it. over again. Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you gotta say. Oh, I'm that no. Was old school. I'm no Kevin Skinner, but you know, my actually Carl Minky. I asked him to trim my beard. I had it going pretty good. Did and you? He just lopped the whole thing off. We're going right now, right? We're live. Yeah, the thing with the beard, you oh. know I had a beard like two weeks We're ago. We're actually right? not. Like, yeah. No, let's, let's start. Let's, let's roll. Go. Okay. Let's okay. roll. Yeah, I mean, you could edit it. The thing with the beard, as you can see, I'm starting to grow mine. I can grow a muskrat like a week. It just yeah, poops. How long up. of a growth is that? This is uh, four days. Four days? Yes, four days. Yeah, this is like six years. Like, so, <laughs> I tell you what, though, like, when I have no phases. Man. I, that's right. You can't say, man, you're a person, right? We gotta, right? We're gonna go down the transgender. That's right. What do you identify as? I identify oh, as someone who wants to be a man. A bearded, <laughs> a bearded Bigfoot. That's what I'm identifying yes. But no, I have phases with the beard. I truly do. Like the first week is the itchy phase, gotta get through it. Yeah. Once I get through the itchy phase, then I'm like, all right, I'm good for two to three weeks. Until I'm waking up in the middle of the night and I find some of it in my mouth, or when I'm trying to eat, it goes in my mouth. Then that's a phase. Yeah. And if I can get through that phase, it's epic time. Dude, the epic beard you had when I met you, or it, when I first saw you, actually. That wasn't nothing. That was a month. You should see it at four months. Yeah? It's like Bigfoot. It's Sasquatch. We should get the Hot Garbage Podcast with a Sasquatch. That's our, that's our yeah. logo that we should run with. Well, our boy Literally. Zach did a whole documentary on Sasquatch. I know. I heard it. <laughs> He's big time. He's big time. Yeah. Yeah, man. Well, I think, uh, you know, I, my dad had always had a beard, and I couldn't grow facial hair at all until I was, like, in my mid-20s. And literally, there's pictures when I first started trying to grow my beard. It's like so patchy, and it took like six months to finally get it to where it looked like a beard. And then my wife hated it. She's like, "Please don't, just just shave it." But then once it grew out, it kind of got you know filled in a little bit. And then one day I decided to shave it off, and she's like, "Oh, put it back, put it back," well, so because when you're a fat guy, it gives the assembly, uh, it gives it uh, like the appearance of a jawline, <laughs> which. I don't really have. So when you went out to New York, was it for the hotel business? Yes, it was. You start swimming in the radioactive water yes, out there, and that's, that's what it. gave you the fertilizer to actually grow that's a beard. All, that was when I was in New York. It literally was when I was <laughs> See, in New York. That's it's right. New York water. Don't drink Flint water. Don't drink Benton Harbor water, and yeah. don't go out in New York and swim in the river because you will come back half sashed. Come back bearded. All right. Well, good. <laughs> so we got that out of the we way. Got that out of the way. There's no easy way Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the No Easy Way Out podcast. My name is Tony Nash and I'm coming to you as always from the Woodworth Building in beautiful downtown Owasso, home to my company AZ Business Solutions, where we help grow your brand from A to Z. I could not be more excited about my guest today. We kind of have a celebrity on the podcast today, guys. I mean, this is like, you know, this is as big as it gets for No Easy Way Out. So we're excited to have some of you have seen him maybe on TV. Maybe you've seen him online. Maybe you've seen him swinging an axe. Uh, maybe you've seen him calling out the hot garbage on his podcast. Uh, maybe you've seen him on Fox News. Maybe you saw him on the debate stage because he ran for governor. But we are excited to have the one and only, all the way from Kalamazoo, Michigan, Dr. Garrett Soldano. Welcome to the show, man. 
you got that clap. thunderous applause. Yes, yeah. it's going on in the background. Everybody can hear it right now. I can tell you what that was one heck of an intro. And ladies and gentlemen, just to let you know, he did that on one take. One take. One take. One take. You've That's done me, this baby. before. This is this is episode eighty-one. Eighty-one. Jeez, oh, Pete. I wonder how many man. lives that I've done since the beginning of the season. You've probably done, you probably done more than 81. I could, yeah. you, you were doing one every day for a while. You know, we're going to get into this, but I we always joked about on the campaign trail that the poor SOB who had to go through all that footage and find dirt on me. <laughs> Zack Snyder. Oh, that to find the good stuff. <laughs> oh, Zack had to find Zach the good Zack had stuff. to go through all the footage to find the good stuff. But we're but talking yeah. about the evil progressive left, uh, yeah. right? The, the Whitmer crew. The guy that had to do the hit videos on Garrett to go through hours and hours and hours of you just ranting online. You're, I wish. You're so angry. See. What are you so angry about, man? Yeah, I know. Like, I'm a radical right extremist as yeah. you continue. Domestic to, or terrorist. Or a snake oil salesman, a domestic I've terrorist. heard the snake oil salesman yep. a few times. Slinging, yep. slinging the juice, yeah. Yeah. Hey, by the way. My son broke his wrist last year, and he was going to miss basketball. And I called the good doc and said, uh, "Hey, you know what is some? I, I know I'm reading a lot of like things that can help a, gro- a, a, a broken bone heal sooner, antioxidants, eating right, blah blah blah." And you suggested Juice Plus. Yep. So we got him some, and I started taking it a couple months ago. And I'm telling you what, man, I don't really take supplements. Obviously, look at me; I'm not the picture of health. <laughs> Um, not yet. Not yet. I'm trying. It's like a it's a roller coaster if there ever was a thing. But man, that stuff makes me feel better. I take it every single day and I tell you I feel like I have more energy. I don't sleep much at all, but I always have energy and my mind is clear. So it, I like it. All it is is nutrition. You yeah. know, it's it's whole food, it's not even considered a supplement. And so that's why when I was getting beat down for selling snake oil salesman, I was like I'm a chiropractor. Yeah. I'm selling nutrition, what I believe in. Healthy right. mind, healthy body, healthy spirit. That's the definition of what true health is. And it's yeah. just funny how they just went down that road. And I remember one of the reporters saying, hey, with the snake oil. Yeah. And I just looked at him. I was like, do you take a multivitamin? Yeah. He's like, well, yeah. I was like, why do you take a multivitamin? He's like, well, it strengthens my immune system, makes me healthy. I was like, you sound like a snake oil salesman. Right. And ever since then, they never asked me that question because it's just common sense. Well, people came out of the work. I mean, when you ran into governor, we're going to get into the whole reason why you decided to run for governor and uh, why you did it and if you would ever do it again. But man, people come out of the work looking for things and reasons and motives because I, I don't know why, I mean, trying to discredit you or whatever. But you know, there were people, not a lot, but there were people that said that, like, oh, he, he just is peddling juice. And you actually stepped down from the company. Juice, juice. You were, yeah, yeah. were making a pretty good living with that company. Yeah, was, as a doctor, you were uh, recommending this to your patients yep. as something that would help them and grow their you know, health and all of those things. And then all of a sudden, people are saying, well, this is his motive, but not once. And someone can go back through all yeah, the footage. please. No. I would like to see the one video or the one post that I ever stated anything about that product. Never. I never had. No. Especially, I had meetings with world, the world corporate of that company um, talking about when we started getting involved in this because they got obviously a lot of hate yeah. um, from all the garbage. I think it was the Daily Mail that came out of that. And the whole article was just filled with lies. You know, said I was in charge of the the Second Amendment rally or something at the Lansing, and they had a bunch of guys with AR-15s, and I did yeah. that rally, which was false. Yeah. Um, they said I said I found the cure for COVID, which was false. I never yeah. made that claim. So what did you say exactly? I said if you turn your body into an environment of greatness, you're going to have a better chance of dealing with this virus and much other viruses in the future. It's common sense. That's common sense. That's it. Yeah. And lo and behold, we've been proven to be right. You don't yeah. even, you're going to get over me all fired up again. Over and over and over and over, yeah. and over and over, yeah. over and over. Yeah. All those conspiracy theorists have been yeah. proven to be true. 
Um, but yeah, that's all I said. And they just ran with it. And even in that article, what I didn't like about it, because I mean, it was probably one of the worst mornings of my life when I saw that pop up on my screen and mm -hmm. my phone start blowing up from everyone you can think of. Even my buddies I played football with at Western Michigan, like you're on the front page yeah. of the Daily Mail, Garrett. What the heck's going on? <laughs> I'm like, it's not the right time. Yeah. You know, and it, it, they tore my life apart. Yeah. They really did put a picture of my family in there. Um, and when I stood up from the very beginning, it was very unpopular to do so. You yeah. weren't supposed to talk about this virus and, you know, it's just, it's like, any other virus, you just turn your body into an environment of greatness. Yeah. It's going to affect the immunocompromised, the elderly, which that's what every virus does. Absolutely. But you were um, a conspiracy theorist. You were spreading. I was a quack. But uh, they went after me. There's no doubt about it. It's amazing how quickly they came out of the work to try to discredit you. I think you know you're onto something good when the mainstream media is trying to tear you apart and just discredit everything and dig back into your personal life and just making things up. Yeah. Pulling pieces together and making up stories that aren't true. That's how you know that you're probably hitting the right the right notes yeah. when they're coming out of the woodwork to to do that. And I can't imagine what going through that is like. I mean, just in the little bit of, you know, us trying to stay open and stand up for our business, we've had people, you know, step out and say things, but nothing like on the level that you experienced. It was horrible. I mean, they, uh, I mean, just, I screenshotted all the, the reviews. I still have them of the, the nasty things. You know, as a business owner, you know, the, the Google reviews, the Yelp reviews, they mean something because they're going to be there forever. And when people Google or something or try to search for a company, those things pop up. Yeah. And uh, they, they went after us. They said some really horrible things, lies. Obviously, none of these people were patients. Um, but we did lose half of our clinic overnight because we had a big teacher base and the teacher base, obviously backed by these unions, corrupt unions, um, they support Governor Whitmer. Yeah. So how dare I stand up? And But do I have any regrets? Absolutely not. I do it over and over again 100 times. And even when they came after you, you still continue to stand up and you still mm -hmm. continue to be active and activate people. And then ultimately ran for governor again. I don't want to get ahead of us, but yeah, uh, you, we'll didn't, you didn't let them intimidate you. You didn't no. let them intimidate you. And uh, I think there's a lesson we can all learn from that. I mean, when you stand up for something you believe in, there's going to be people that disagree. Actually, Zach and I were having a conversation with this this morning that doesn't matter what you put out there. There's always going to be somebody that doesn't like it or disagrees with it or whatever. So you just got to be true to who you are and and not be afraid to stand up for what you believe in. And that's a big thing with belief. You know, you when you know something, when you believe something within your heart, within your very soul, you got to be willing to take those arrows. Now, I'm obviously a whole different person, man, mm -hmm. um, than I was from the beginning. You know, I look back, reflect back to myself in the beginning. I didn't have as thick of a skin as I do now. I thought I did at the time. But when you start experiencing that, that level of hate and that amount of hate, um, it, it, you have to, you have to go through that, right? It makes you stronger. It makes you stronger as a person. It gives you a thicker skin so you can deal with more at the end right. because we dealt with it the entire time. But you know, there's still things that bother me and I'm a, I'm human, yeah. you know, and I have a list of people that I would like to have a conversation with. <laughs> um, there's no doubt about it because you know when who you are, running, yeah, you know who you are <laughs> and I will see you one day. Um, but you know, to be honest with you, it's true though. Like when you're running for office, they think they can throw anything at you or mm -hmm. say anything about they you. you. They dehumanize you and then they say bad things about you. And then you, I, I'm a man. I come from very humble beginnings. If I was raised in the first part of my life in a trailer mm -hmm. and you know, I've been in many, many fist fights growing mm -hmm. up um, and I'm a fighter inside now. And, and so there is a part of me right there that still wants to see these people and drag them outside in the parking lot 
and beat the ever living daylights out. Of I him. would pay money to see it. Yeah, I mean, hey, whatever <laughs> we can, about we can the draw debate a crowd. with Whitmer, I would draw yeah, a crowd. Yeah, I would and, draw a crowd. And there's some of them I would even tie one hand behind my back and have my way with them. Um, <laughs> but that's just that's just me as a person, man. Yeah. And that's the inside linebacker in me. Yeah. It's like you come at me, I'm going to come at you harder. Um, that's just who I am as a person. Well, and the truth is, that there was hate, but really. There was a From lot from our more, own people. There was a lot more love and support. There was a lot, hundreds of oh. thousands of people. So I mean, sometimes we listen to the two voices, yeah. and ignore the exactly. hundred voices that are on our side. And you're hundred percent right. And that's difficult because you want, yeah. you know, you want to make, especially when you love people. Yep. You want to make everybody happy, but you yep. just can't do it. And so, and that's another lesson that I've learned. Is yeah. you're you're totally right, Tony. You'll, you'll get a thousand positive comments, but you'll see that one. That one negative. And it's human nature to focus on that and concentrate on that and mm -hmm. say, well, why does that one hate me? Right. And it's and that's what Who you learn. Who hate me? Go, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'm just a big teddy bear, right? Right. Um, but that's one thing that I had to go through in the beginning is you can't make everyone happy. Yeah. And you always know that. Yeah. But now I don't even read the comments. You know, yeah. I have fun with it now. Now I just yeah. give them the laughing baby gif and then uh, hashtag do better. <laughs> Well, I'm enjoying your content now because you're not running for governor anymore. <laughs> no, and you're great. still making content. I'm having fun. I, I actually enjoy reading the, the haters or yeah. watching the haters. It's you just even funny. commented one on the it's other just, day. It's just funny. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like guys like comment on your video. I'm like, well, we, or we can't wait to see your cut of this <laughs> yeah, video. Let's see your right. version. Yeah. But, well, listen, I mean, so, you know, kind of going back to the beginning, I mean, so you, your whole life, you know, you, you we talked about being raised in a trailer park and going through some adversity. You were the first person to ever come out of your small town and play Division One college football. Yep. You played uh, linebacker for uh, University of Western Michigan. Go Western Michigan University. Western Michigan University. Don't mess up my university. So, sorry. Man. Go, go Broncos. Broncos. There oh, we go. <laughs> <laughs> Number 56. 5'6". Became team captain. Yep. Got to play some pretty big games and some yep. big stadiums. And team then, MVP. Yeah. Yep. And then got out. Got to go try out for the Bears. No, signed a free agent contract. You free don't try out. You don't try out. You well, either get drafted. Tell us about that. You either get drafted or I mean, you always did you get a tryout? No, you sign with the team. So you either get drafted or you sign as a free agent. And I signed as a free agent. Yeah. So I was. Did you get paid for that? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Had fun in Chicago, but I remember because um, I was a pretty good linebacker, obviously at Western. Yeah, I've seen um, the highlights. Yeah. The animal. I brought it. I brought yeah. it. But you get to that level, you know, it's a big jump when you go from high school to Division One. Right. Mm -hmm. But when you go from division one to NFL, it's unbelievable. Insane. Like everybody is an extreme athlete. I mean, the D linemen are bigger than you by 40 pounds and they're running faster than you and they're taller than you. And to see that on the field, it was humbling. You know, when I went to the first couple of practices and the game is so fast and your eyes can't read the play like you could at the division one level, mm -hmm. it's just the, the elite of that um, sport. Yeah. And it was cool, but it is amazing as you go through that process that your eyes and your brain start to adapt. You can actually slow down the game again, but I just never had the opportunity to finish. I was cut um, right before training camp. The guy who brought me in, um, the general manager, um, went to another team. And so they got rid of some of the free agents that he brought in to bring in their own crew. And I just got cut at the wrong time mm -hmm. um, because everybody's rosters were full. So I had a choice go to the arena route and then go in the NFL or start my life. And I was already recently engaged with my wife. Um, I had to start. Who's also a D1 athlete. Yep. She played volleyball at Western, all conference athlete. Yeah. Um, so I decided to go back to school and become a chiropractor and to start building a family, which is funny. 
And we always say it's let go, let God. You want to mm-hmm. yep. make God laugh, tell him your plans. Yep. Well, I had a broken back all the way through college. I injured it playing, I think it was Northeast Louisiana, my redshirt freshman year, the last game of the year. Um, a guy got mad at me on a kickoff and he speared me like right in the low back. Mm-hmm. And I remember lying on the field going, I broke my back. And it was right before halftime. Well, at that time, we were competing for the special teams award. And I wanted that award, you know, yeah. and I was leading the special teams. So I wasn't going to quit that game. going to sit down. And so literally I went on that field. I didn't know, but I literally did break my back and I played the entire played half. The pain. And my buddies had to carry me off the field, but I got my award. And I laid, <laughs> in, uh, laid in my bunk for the next month, my dorm. And not being able to move. I thought I just injured my back. I didn't know I broke it. Um, but it healed, right? It didn't fully heal, but it, I, could, I could function again. And I went through the next three years of my collegiate career playing with a broken back, not knowing that one more hit in the back like that, it probably would have paralyzed me from the waist down, mm. right? And so God always has a plan, Yeah. right? So I didn't know that until I went to chiropractic school and they took x-rays. And when they took the x-ray, it was like they turned on the siren and they're like, don't move. And I'm like, yeah. what's going on? They're like, you have a broken back. Don't move. I'm like, what do you mean? I broke uh, I've been back. moving for three years. Four years <laughs> I've been yeah. playing football for three yeah. years. You know, the thousands of hits and practicing and in games. I just never got hit there again. Yeah. Um, wow. So yeah, then it still broke to this day. And that's why if you saw the last debate, it finally gave out of me because all the road, 43,000 miles that we mm-hmm. traveled a year, it just gave out. I couldn't stand up like the other uh, yeah. um, people were. I was wondering why you weren't standing up. Couldn't stand up. Yeah. Yeah, I was hurting. This man. guy always stands up. Yep. Stands up for Michigan. Couldn't the, stand up in the yeah, debate. Couldn't stand up in the debate because my back was it's like spinal. I remember my, looking at John and I said, I bet his back's hurting. Yeah. <laughs> it was hurting a little bit. Yeah. Remember the clip on YouTube with Mike Tyson? What's going on, Iron Mike? He's like, my back is broken. My back is broken. That's what I felt like saying. That you felt like? Yeah. Yeah. Thank goodness. Well, so I want to ask about, because, you know, I obviously I I played high school sports Mm -hmm. and I never played anything college, but I I know going to college games and then going to pro games, you see like the the speed and, but even from the stands, it's different. Like, so you're talking about the level of, athlete that you came across mm-hmm. in Chicago. Yeah. Is there any Brian Erlock yeah, second year? I was going to say is there anyone that we know of that you yeah. just got trucked by that you just took you Didn't out? Didn't get or? trucked, but just um speed, man. Like Brian Erlocker, it was his second year. Obviously, he's a Hall of Fame linebacker. Yeah. And he was like 6'4", 250. I mean, he just he didn't even play linebacker in college. <laughs> he was playing receiver, punt returner, uh, not receiver. He was playing safety. Yeah. And he's playing punt returner. So and then fast. when he, yeah, he's very fast. And that's how athletic that guy was to go to the pros and play an entirely different position that you never played. And to not only do that, but to dominate, become a Hall of Fame player. That just tells you the caliber of athlete yeah. that that guy is. Nicest guy, right? Yeah. Nicest guy. Um, and he was very, very nice to me. But to see that man on the field and how he played, I was like looking at myself in the mirror like, I don't have a chance. I'm going to be on punt team my entire life. Yeah. Um, but it was, it was cool to watch, man. I can and imagine. just to see the, the, the high level of athleticism that, that's out there. And I can, that was 20 years ago, Tony. Yeah. So you imagine now. Like, even look at the Division One level, like all these cats that are out, like even Western Michigan, they probably all would have played pro when I was playing. Yeah. And that's how much the game has improved. Oh, yeah. You know, that's why I can see them trying to protect athletes now and stuff because bigger, stronger, faster, there's going to be ramifications and repercussions to the simple laws of physics, right? Yeah. So you can see that you have to protect the athlete because things are going to get brain injury and everything else. 
That's crazy, man. Yeah. I, I, I can't imagine playing at that level and having that experience. It's pretty cool. Um, a big sports fan, so I love watching it. So just to you know, kind of hear the insides of how that was like. But you said you went on to become a chiropractor. So at that point, you're now you focused your life on. I'm concerned about helping people be a better version of themselves. I've heard you say that a lot. Yeah. So doing that through treatments, doing that again through the Juice Plus thing, and that kind of became something that you came very passionate about. There's lots of videos out there of you trying to motivate people. You actually, yeah, my seminar. Yeah, you actually came when I, I'm a basketball coach, and yep. you came to one of our uh, prep rallies or whatever, and yep. you kind of had me do the the arrow on the neck thing, which yep. kind of scared me, but it was pretty cool. Yep. The team got hyped about it. And so you did a lot of those things to only help people and to motivate yeah. them and make them be better versions. And then they even use those things against you, this positive thing yeah. that you're doing. They tried to use these videos against you when you're trying to do something good. And yeah, we had crazy. a motivational seminar called State where we do all these breakthrough events. And you know, I took all that footage down. I, they probably got some of it somewhere. Sure. I'm sure they have it. The um, forever. You know, they even put on P.J. Fleck, who's the head coach of Minnesota, when he was the head coach at Western Michigan, I took their entire coaching staff through the seminar. Um, and it was crazy because I think it was in his second year at Western. And when, before we'd ever do the seminar, we were like, okay, what are the goals? I would sit down to whoever wanted me to facilitate it, to hire me, to come in like, okay, what are your goals? What do you want to do? What do you want to accomplish? And one of their main goals was the Cotton Bowl. Which coming from the Mid American Conference, you don't go to the Cotton Bowl. Right. I mean, it's it's rare. Right. I mean, it's never happened. Right. And when they put that goal out, I mean, he has to go undefeated and he has to have luck and all this thing happens. And they just went like their first season, I think one and eight, two and I mean, it was something ridiculous. They won or two games. Yeah. And that's their goal. Yeah. Right. And I'm not saying my seminar was the reason what they did, but that's just the caliber Same, of coaching. Well. Yeah, that's right. It was all because of me. <laughs> um, but no, like that's the caliber of coach that he is, is he's able to dream big, right? Mm -hmm. And so they went through that seminar, and three years later, they're in the Cotton Bowl against Wisconsin. And it was probably one of the most remarkable experiences to see something in a smaller Division One school like Western Michigan go there because um, he did it. He went undefeated. Unfortunately, they came up a little short against a great Wisconsin team at the time. But it was awesome to see. And I ran my patients and people who would come to the seminar. And it was great. We did it for several years. I did it for corporations and everything else. Um, and it was – and it's looking back at it now, you know, I almost – look at it and say it was only it was not only for them but it was for me mm -hmm. because when you watch people go through that and you watch people have those breakthrough experiences it gets addicting for yourself mm -hmm. because it's just a lot of high energy yeah and there would be tears and cheering and everything else and you know i'm proud to say that i think every single person that went through that seminar only one left halfway through wow. and i probably took thousands of people through and i always say hey if you don't you know if you want to leave you can't you know, that's fine. Mm -hmm. Only one person ever left halfway through. Well, it's amazing, you know, the, the battle that goes on in the mind of people. And, and, and a lot of it, a lot of success starts with just believing you can do something big. Like truly believing it and putting it in your mind and setting it and putting it out in front of you. And, you know, you've said that a, a million times since I've known you. You never know what small act you could do that could change the lives of millions tomorrow. But seeing ahead of something that you want to accomplish, something that you want to do, something believing that it's possible, believing in yourself, and then taking those small steps each day to get there. And I'm always inspired by that stuff. And I think that really carried on into all the things that you've done over the last two years. Those things developed you as the person you were, uh, the tough upbringing, you know, being in all the fights, playing Division One football, 
being a doctor, all these things developed you into this person that really wanted to be someone that inspired people to be better versions of themselves. Yeah, I mean, it's it, there's so many examples of that happening in my own life, not even realizing when you give a compliment what that does to people or just being nice. And that that's what people have to understand. Our climate in our country right now is such a climate of division. Mm-hmm. And that's scary because as we always talk about, you know, divided we fall, united we stand. And that's very true. And so that's one thing that the elites that we can talk about, the establishment that if you want to label them um, as that, is they want control and they don't want to give up that control. And the best way to stay in control is to keep people fighting. And this is regardless of party affiliation. Okay, this is about the elite versus the people. And going back through my own life, just a couple examples that I'll share was when I got cut from the Bears, I went home and I went to my parents' basement. I lived there for four months trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life at that time. Um, A lot of soul searching. And I just knew that I wanted to help people. And I didn't know what that was going to do. But I had a neighbor kid down the street who was, I think, 14 years of age at that time. Um, And he came down. He said, hey, will you help me train? I was like, sure. Uh, And this kid would come down every day after school. And I would just run like drills with him in my yard. Mm -hmm. To me, I was like, no big deal. Yeah. To him, it meant the world, right? I even gave him um, a pair of cleats that I got for the NFL. The kid was big feet for 14 years of age. So he already wore my size and I gave him those cleats. And I guess he wore those cleats all throughout high school. They were his lucky cleats. And I gave him a card. I hand wrote a card to him and it said, um, confidence is when you go after Moby Dick in a rowboat and bring the tartar sauce along with you. It was a quote that my defensive coordinator, Chuck Dreisbach told us one time and always stuck with me. I was like, I like that. And I wrote that on a card and I gave it to him before I went back to school. And coincidentally, that kid, that same kid, followed me through um, everything that was going on over the past three years. And he reached out. Uh, and I think it was um, Facebook. He messaged me. So I don't know if you remember me, but um, I was your neighbor, blah, blah, blah. I was like, yeah, I remember you, buddy. And I gave him my text message at the time, or my, my cell phone so he could text me. And he sent the image of that card. Wow. He's 20 years, it. he kept, he kept it, it in his wall. That's crazy. You know, and it gave me the chills. It gives me the chills right now to think about that. I mean, to me, I was just, okay, helping a, a kid, 14-year-old mm-hmm. kid running around the drills, but to him, it meant the world. Yeah. You know, and that is one instance. Another instance is we have a homeless problem, like every other Democrat-run city in the United States, um, that they just keep catering these homeless folks, and there's like a methadone clinic down the street, and now there's like a homeless encampment that they have. And so every time I go in the office, I would see one guy. And this was like 10 years ago before it got really bad, which is starting to get bad again. But I would see this one guy walking down my street. It just like coincidentally every morning. And I used to open up at 7 a.m. So I used to get there at 6 in the morning. I would see him and I was like, hey, man, what's going on? Hey, have a great day. Hey, nice shoes. You know, um, I would just compliment him in some way because you could just tell that he was having a rough time in his life. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, but to me, I always wanted to treat another person like I want to be treated. So I'm always trying to be nice. Right. Um, and I did that for, I don't know, a couple of weeks. And then I didn't see the guy for a while. And then I don't know if it was months or a year later, I saw him again. And I said, hey, man, what's going on? I haven't seen you in a while. And he stopped me. And he said, I just want to let you know that you saved my life. I was like, what are you talking about? Wow. He's like, the first day, like literally the first morning that I met you and you were just nice to me, I was on my way to go kill myself. And you said, I don't even know what I said to him, to be honest with you. You said something nice to me. And he said, 
that gave me a little bit of strength. The next day you did it again. The next day you did it again. Then I knew that I wasn't trash, that I, was, I wasn't worthless. And I'm like in tears listening to this guy like I didn't know. It wasn't my intent. I didn't know his background, his experience. Um, but ever since that day, I never seen him again. And after we had that conversation, I gave him a bro hug. I said, hey, man, keep trucking. I know life gets hard. Just keep, keep moving forward. You got this. You got wow. this. And I, I don't know who that is. Wow. I don't know what happened. But that really anchored into me that what can happen if you just pass it along, you know, pay it forward, a compliment. You know, it doesn't have to be this big movement of things. You know, when we reflect back all the way to the beginning, it wasn't my intent for this thing to blow up. Mm -hmm. um, I did it for my own selfish reasons, to be honest with you, because I was so mad and I knew in my heart and soul that I was right, that our constitutional freedoms, our sacred values and citizens' rights shouldn't be infringed upon regardless of a pandemic. We live in America. We can go on and on about that. I've said it a million times. And I was so angry that I did it for my own, my own, my own intent, right? I was just like, I had to get something off my chest. And that's one thing that we always say, let go, let God. And yeah. then when it blew up, I was like, what the heck did I do? What happened? You know, I didn't want it. I didn't want to be honest with you, Tony. I didn't want any of this. Yeah. Um, reflecting back, I, I didn't want the, the, the notoriety. I, I, I did want that because I had a dream like to be the Tony Robbins. Mm -hmm. I like I, I like thought you were going to say the Tony Nash. The Tony Nash. Tony Nash number two. Um, <laughs> I do like speaking and inspiring people. I do like that. And mm -hmm. so... For that to happen in that way is just a positive, you know, yeah. culture. I mean, that I did want that. That was like a goal. I didn't know how I was going to get it, mm -hmm. but I had no idea it was going to like do this yeah. in this route. Um, well, and this I think is why <clears throat> this is why it was hard for me to see people attacking you. You, I, I, you and I have shared this before. Like I always took it very personal when I saw someone saying something about because you're my e brother, e e my even, brother from another mother. That's right, man. But even more when, <laughs> than when someone says something about me, I'm like, yeah. ah, who cares? Yeah. But when people attacked you on things that I just knew weren't true, it used to bother me because my experience with you has just been, you've always, even me tried to take the time to help me be better, help me be a better version of myself. I remember when we first started this thing, you sent me a, a, a letter and you sent me a, uh, fossil. A fossil. A um, 60,000 year old fossil. Yeah. Only the special people in my life get these fossils. Yeah, by and I got one and just a, a letter that was just so thoughtful. You didn't have to do that. Just thanking me for what we had been doing and making the videos that we had done for you. And I just thought, man, this guy's so busy with all these people and he takes time to do this. And so, and then all the people I've met over the last two and a half years, yeah. I've met a lot of big players in the state of Michigan, politicians and leaders and different things. And the reason you have resonated so well with me and the reason that I'm still friends with you today and the reason that we're still trying to help each other, you know, be better in our own lives is because I have always, my experience has always been, you're very genuine, you're very selfless. Yeah. You know, I've heard people say he has an ego. Well, of course you have an I ego. Have a huge I mean, ego. When, when, when you play division, when you play division one sports, yeah. they teach you to have ego. Absolutely. You know, you have to have that. You're a type A. I got ego. Everybody yep. really has You have to ego. control that ego. That's you got to control it. Yep. But I mean, I hear people say he's difficult to work with. And I'm like, man, in my experience, I mean, and, and, and my employees could attest to this. Like you have been one of the most easy, per you have probably been the easiest client we've ever worked with. I mean, just in the fact that you trust our expertise, we send you a video, you're like, I love it. You hardly ever ask for a change. Very encouraging. I mean, even this morning you walked in and you hugged everyone on my staff, even the ones you didn't know. I mean, just the person that you are. Well, it's funny you say that because the people that usually point the finger Right. Right. There's three pointing right at them. Yeah. You know, the people I've, I've always worked very well with people. However, when there's a disagreement 
and I think I'm right and they think they're right, then there's obviously a conflict. Yep. And I will fight for what I believe, and I've shown that. And mm-hmm. so if I don't agree with what somebody else is doing, you're damn right I'm going to get very difficult mm-hmm. to work with. Yeah. Because if you're doing something that I don't believe in, if you're doing something for self-interest, then I'm going to have a problem with it, and then you're going to see me throw a hissy fit. Well, and that's one of the things that when you talk to me, and I keep getting ahead of us, but 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 when you talk to me about running for governor and wanting me to be a part of it, we both committed to each other that we would check self-interest at the door. Yes. We would make this about the people, yep. make this about the cause, and not make it about Gar- Garrett Soldano or yep. AZ Business Solutions or anything, that we were going to sacrifice and make this really about that. And and again, in my experience, I mean, you've always been the person that has put self to the side, whether that be your business, whether that be time with your family, whether that be to pursue things that you love, like the Juice Plus thing, or even stand at Michigan, we're talking about this, you step down from so as to not create any type of uh, conflict of Absolutely. interest and just doing the right thing. And, and sometimes so, the right thing's the hard thing, but it's, it's still a, the right thing. Yeah. You know, I would have loved to have been able to utilize Stand Up Michigan's data for my campaign. Yeah. But I knew if I was still involved with that, I would have been labeled that I did all this because I was going to run for governor. Yeah. I just knew the, the narrative. And it's funny yeah. you talk about letters. So nothing like a handwritten letter anymore. Mm-hmm. You don't get it. Mm-hmm. You get text. You get email. You don't even get emails anymore. It's more like text or anything else. But it's something about a personal handwritten letter that resonates with people. Yeah. Uh, it always has. Mm-hmm. And so you talked about a young lady. Her name's Abigail, mm-hmm. right, that wrote a message, and you just finally gave it to me. So, Abigail, <laughs> if you finally watch this, it's Tony's fault that I didn't respond to you, so I'm going to blame Tony. But Sorry, I have a letter for her tonight that I hand wrote That's amazing. for her to just tell her how much I appreciate yeah. her and what she's done because you told me. Um, and I confirmed this with some of the people who worked at our campaign that she was one of our best volunteers. Yeah. Went far and beyond what was expected of her. And that, that to me is amazing, right? Mm-hmm. When people really just you, you go into something with trust and faith in you. And that's a lot of responsibility bricks, as I say, carry around the backpack. Because people tend to think the person blazing the trail is about that person blazing the trail. But it's not. The person blazing the trail has to be willing to take the hits fumble over the rocks you don't see, you know, everything else that the blaze that trail. Step on the landmines. Step on the landmines, and there's a lot of them, um, and get all that hate. And usually the person blazing the trail doesn't get the glory at the end. Mm-hmm. It's usually how it happens. It, it happens that way. And what happens is the person blazing the trail is blazing the trail for others to follow. Mm. Even though people may not believe in it, may people may doubt you, people may hate on you, but when you blaze that trail so wide, so big, so full of hope and inspiration, as we say, that everyone that doubted, hated, attacked, they're going to have to humbly follow because they're finally going to see the light. Yeah, And that's what I really believe this three years has been, almost three years now, has been for me is I blazed a trail. There's no doubt about it. But it's the activation that we have done yep. with the people. And yeah, you, all you really hear about in the news is state and federal government and mm-hmm. candidates, right? Mm-hmm. But that's not where the power is, as we are well aware of. Yeah, It's what we've been able to do at the local level with the school boards, with the city councils, you know, with people getting activated and involved in their school board meetings. That's where the power comes from. Yeah. And everybody wants this um, instant gratification. That's how we're hardwired in society, especially with social media now. Everybody wants it now, but it takes time. What the progressive left has done is they have basically impregnated every level of office over the past 
two, three decades. Mm -hmm. Even some, if you look at some of the teachings and stuff, it's been 80, 90 years they've been yeah. preaching this and getting to the education and everything else. But slowly but surely, they have planted their own seeds and those seeds have now produced a harvest of what their narrative is. Mm -hmm. And so in essence, that's what we're doing right now is we've activated, we blazed a trail mm -hmm. and now people are starting to buy into that and run for things. And you hear it all the time. You've been on the trail with me where people say, I never would have ran for anything. Never. I'm doing it because you did it. Yeah. And I don't care that I lost. Yeah. You know, it's not about my self-interest. It's about what kind of legacy that we can leave other people to really give a life and a country that this country deserves to be in our grandchildren. Because all of us want all of our aspirations to take root and legacies grow. But most importantly, every single one of us out there once all of our family trees are flourished for generations to come. Mm -hmm. And that's what we've been able to do as a movement. Yeah, You know, I was just the guy in the beginning and one day the torch will be passed to somebody yeah. else to take that trail and blaze it more. Well, I was one of those people. I, I never have been involved in politics. You know, I've been asked, you know, here locally to run for city council or to consider mayor or even school board and stuff. And I just never had any interest in being involved in politics and still don't, honestly. <laughs> but being involved in, in helping candidates and helping people get the message out there and standing up for the things that are right and and really again that that's how we met i mean so let's kind of go back and one of the main reasons i wanted to have you on the podcast garrett is because you know i think a lot of people don't know the garrett soldano that i know they see you on tv or they see you on the computer screen or on their phone or they see you on youtube or on instagram or on tiktok or whatever and you almost become this character, this yeah. this figure. And I know the man, Garrett Soldano. I know the father, the the husband, the the businessman, the you know community leader, the inspirational speaker, um, and the friend. And and that's kind of I want to give people the opportunity to get to know who you are the way I know you. Know maybe you don't want ever. Maybe you want the mystique. I want to be the tough guy swinging the axe, and I don't want everyone to know you that just I'm a softie. Triggered, and there's so many times because this was all new to me, running for office, right? Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm me. It's very hard not to allow all of me to be on the, my, my sleeve because yeah. my personality is on my sleeve for everyone to enjoy, whether you hate me or love me. But yeah. I remember this young, uh, she might have been like 12, 11, and she came up to me, and she was really nervous with her mom at one of these events, and I forget what event it was. And... I hate being called a celebrity. Yeah. I despise that. Yeah. I am no Sorry different. Sorry about that in my intro. <laughs> I am no different than anyone else. Yeah. And I remember, and it was at the time because you, that's where the, the devil, right? You, you have this devil that constantly talks to you. It's like a Looney Tunes. you got the angel and the devil. And yeah. it's literally what happens is, is you go throughout this process and you start getting a little fame. And I really believe that's where going through kind of like my fame with football kind of prepared me for this. Yeah. You get humble. Yeah. Right. In the beginning, you're like, this is great, but God humbles you. Mm -hmm. And what's it say? Those who are humbled are exalted. Yeah. And those who exalt themselves are humbled. Mm -hmm. Right. Did I say that right? Yeah. And you so got it. You got of, it in the ballpark. Right there. There's a triple, <laughs> not a home run. That's not King James version, <laughs> but well, Garrett Soldano version. That's Garrett Soldano. Garrett tourism, as we call it. But the, and that prepared me for kind of running because you, you get put on this pedestal and all this stuff. But it was at that point in time, I think in the middle of the race, where I was getting a lot of attention and people are like, you know, Garrett's the savior. I'm like, I'm not, I'm one of you, you know? And this young girl came up to me with her mom and she's, and she was shaken. And I was like, why are you shaking? Because I never met a celebrity before. <laughs> and I was like, in my mind, I was like, okay, I had enough. I'm going to like anchor into this woman that this young lady that yeah. everybody's the same. So I got yeah. on a knee and I looked at her in the eyes. I said, I want you to remember one thing. Everyone poops. 
<laughs> and she starts laughing and her mom, I think was a little mortified. She yeah. can't believe I said it to her young daughter, but yeah. I, and she started laughing. I was like, yeah. but it's true. And, uh, and I said something else and it doesn't smell too good either. And yeah. that was the end. Yeah. Right. But just to let people know, like we tend to put these candidates and these celebrities on. No, just not at people. all, man. Well, some people. of them want to be on a pedestal. They want to be, but some of them do. what you said about yeah. self-interest, Yeah, you know, people, they don't realize this, and this is a lesson that you'll have to learn in life if you haven't learned it already. And people are all about like money. Like, I want to make a million dollars a year. I want to make $2 million a year. I want to make $50,000 a month, whatever that may be, whatever that number is for what people tend to think success is. And money's not success. It's a whole different story with me. But I read this once and I forgot where I read it. If you want to make a million dollars, help a million people. If you want to make a billion dollars, help a billion people. Hmm. So it's service. Yeah. So you don't have to worry about money. What you have to worry about is serving, right? Serving other people. The kicking more you serve, quit, quit yeah. kicking the light, Tony. Um, <laughs> but that's what it is. It's true service, and yeah. true service is going far and beyond what's expected of you. Yeah, that's what true service is. Yeah. And if people apply that to their lives, my goodness gracious! Yeah, how great would this place be? It would be a different world. That's it for would. sure. Well, so the way I first saw Garrett Saldano. All right. We talked about all the live videos that you've made over the years. This whole thing started, the, the Garrett Saldana right that the most people know, but this whole thing started with a live video. Yep. April 9th, 2020. Yep. You made your, as you call it, your, 336 hiss, yeah, your hissy, hissy fit video. video and, e you know, started a group called Michiganders Against Excessive Quarantine. It was again, originally it was Michiganders Against Quarantine. Okay. That was the original title, but a day in, we were getting so much hate. Um, that I think it was one of the admins that we we had, I forget, there's a lot of them that kind of volunteered. So maybe we should change it so we're not getting all this hate to excessive quarantine. And yeah. I was like, I don't care, whatever. Well, because, yeah, that was the time where we had a governor in Gretchen Whitmer who was not just quarantining people, but was was saying you can go to the grocery store and you can buy this and that, but you can't buy this and that. You can't paint buy mulch. mulch and paint. You can't you buy yard. The caution flags or yeah. the caution tape all over the stuff. I mean, it just yeah. didn't make any so sense. It was excessive. It was very excessive. Even if we, at that time, we didn't fully know what the virus was and if it was going to you know, wipe, wipe out 10% of the population. 30 like million 30. people, yeah. folks. It's so, in America. So we didn't know. It, it for, for a lot of us, it seemed fishy right off the beginning. Yep. But we still didn't know. So we're kind of going along with I can see taking two weeks off to just get this thing under control. But then when she's like spelling out and dictating all these things, well, it's like, it's excessive. Well, go even before that. And it, I was mad for two months because I seen it. I seen what was going to happen mm -hmm. because the only way they could take down President Trump was to take down the economy. And so when they start running with this kind of scenario with this virus, I just, in my heart and my soul, and I think a lot of people who are conspiracy theorists, yeah. right, they call us. Um, smelled something. Smelled something. Right. They said it was off. And everybody started buying it. And the corporate media would start playing that video from China. Over and over. You know, and over, over and over about the people dying in the sidewalk, people dying in the grocery aisles. And you know what? And I was like, okay, this might be the bubonic plague. But right. I don't think so. It's right. China. Right. They're not going to give us the truth. Right. And then when they just, and everybody started rolling in with it, I'm like, you just give people the truth. Yeah. People quarantine themselves. Right. You know, if, if that's one of the things that I got so mad about, like, just give us the truth, open it up because it was all lies. It was all smoking. Yeah. Years. They were hiding a lot they were of hiding information, a lot. hospital data, everything else. And I just, you know, I could have been proven wrong. Let's say this thing could have been like Ebola. Yeah. Right. And right. It, I, I wouldn't have the platform that I have today, obviously, yeah. if I would have been thrown in federal prison. But I just 
that's where gut instinct came in. Like it just mm-hmm. didn't make sense. Didn't seem right. You the know, response. if I start seeing people dying in the streets, I probably would have never made the video. Right. Right. Well, and the response to it, you know, so like we all knew somebody that got COVID and it seemed like a, a mild or a, 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 some, in some cases, a severe case of the flu. And yeah. wasn't something that was not existent, but it the response there. to it was insane, yeah, it was especially overkill. here in the state of Michigan. So yeah. you go on, he's like, I can't take it anymore. It's yeah, the, when uh, they, Governor Whitmer made her first decree yep. on what, March 15th, March 18th, yep. something, somewhere around there. So almost a month later, yep. it was first two weeks to slow the spread and then two weeks to flatten the curve. And it just kept going. And she would... Never extend it for long periods of time. It was nope. always just another two weeks. Just you remember, our weeks. legislature was going along with it at the yeah. time, too. They weren't fighting back. Nope. And so then you make this video that goes viral. Which Make a group. Yeah, literally, viral. I made that video at 3.36 or 3.39 p.m. I have a screenshot of it where it was like one member. It was mm-hmm. me. Um, and then it went nuts that night. Like I think 5,000 people joined the group, which I started groups before and I'd get like 200 people, Yeah. but 5,000 joined. And I remember going home and I'm sure the audience has heard this story a million yeah. times, but my wife's like, what the heck did you do? And I was yeah. like, well, I started a group and she's <laughs> like, why? I was like, cause I had to get something off my chest. Um, and you could see like the hate and the conversation. I mean, yeah. it was, it was hot. It was boiling. It was boiling. And I think a lot of people just. The, a lot of people that joined that group are feeling the same way that we all were, that this isn't right, something's wrong. And they got finally to a place where connection happened. Because yeah. remember, they keep us divided, they keep us at home, they keep us away from one another, then we don't have conversation. Yeah. And that's literally what happened for several weeks prior to that, is everybody's stuck at home. Yep. And everybody would just talk amongst themselves. Mm-hmm. That was it. Yep. There wasn't any conversation. We didn't know that there was other people that felt the way. I mean, no. some of us... Knew there was some, but we didn't know there was so many. I thought we were alone. I mean, the the majority of people, especially we would go like, I remember in a neighborhood party we went through in February and they were already talking. You could see the fear in the voice. Like people are dying in the streets in China. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, it's a virus. I'm like, you can't say that. I'm like, look, this is what's going to happen. This virus is going to come. They're going to overplay it. They're going to kill our economy. They're going to get President Trump out. Yeah. That's that's exactly what they want to do. And that might seem crazy at the time. But then we kind of watched it happen right right in front of us. So then... 300,000 plus people in three days, in three days, yep. join this group. Yep. And then this is when I started seeing Garrett Soldano videos popping up on my feed. And I didn't know who you were. I was a member of the group Michiganders Against Excessive Quarantine. I think a couple of our staff members were. So I had an idea of who it was, of, of what it was. Didn't 100% know who you were at the time. And then I went to, I saw your group promoting this Operation Gridlock. There's just people posting about it in the group. Yeah, like it we. Was, it wasn't your event, but no, people in no. the group that that 300,000 people that all kind of felt the same way yep. were sharing this event. Yep. And so me and Pastor Jason saw it and we're like, hey, we're not doing anything today. Why don't we head over to Lansing? So we drove over to Lansing and it was insane. I mean, hundreds of thousands of people. I mean, it was like 10,000. They say 10,000 cars. Yeah. So maybe it wasn't hundreds of thousands of people, but it seemed like it. The streets were literally, it was gridlock for hours, and then we couldn't get out, and we were stuck there. Yep. But I remember getting out of my car, and I walked down Michigan Avenue all the way to the Capitol. I have this video footage of just walking by, seeing all the different cars, and seeing all the flags, and seeing all the people. And I just like, I felt like this, this is right. Yep. This is this is America. This is patriotism, and nobody was threatening anything. I saw a few guys walking around with some AR-15s, but you know they weren't threatening anybody. They yep. weren't doing anything. And uh, doing anything that I didn't, you know, so I went all the way up to the Capitol steps. There were some people with megaphones, but most of everyone, I would say 98% of people stayed in their car. And, you know, I have the video footage to show. I said, man, I'm stopping and talking to people in their cars. And 
These were just good old everyday Americans. They weren't all Democrats. They weren't all Republicans. They weren't all independents. It was, it was everything. In it this, was everybody. And they just felt like this isn't right. And they're saying we're, we're, we're done with this. And this, at that time, um, we, that, the day of that protest, the um, gridlock. Ten, gridlock, Operation Gridlock, that's when the um, politicians started to notice us. Mm-hmm. And at this time, we had some people that come in as admins and stuff to help us with the group, which grew so fast because it was overwhelming. We, we were getting 10,000 comments a second. Yeah. You know, in three weeks, we had over 16 million engagements. That's incredible. I mean, it was nuts. It's never been done. No. I, it's never been done since. We no. were the only group that really have those kind of uh, the, the records that we had of just very angry people. But that's when I believe the government start, and they were already involved with social media, but to directly um see it that's when the government starting getting the social media and starting censoring yeah and that's when we started to get um policy violations with um facebook at you the were time. definitely on the radar we were on the radar then yeah. i mean the i uh, one of the homeland security people that were giving us information in the beginning um and you know who you are um was telling us that they were talking about me and the group Every yeah. morning at the FBI briefing and Homeland Security, yeah. because when you have three hundred thousand people, you have an army. Well, when the media has a narrative to push, yeah, and then there's this large mass of people all in one you place communicating, yep. a grassroots army, right? Yep. And so you, you what's you, he going to do with you, it? You start to worry, like, okay, this could threaten our yeah, exactly. narrative, and uh-huh. so yeah, so then you immediately started to see the censorship. You started to see all the different things happening, and, and so we is, got together too. To start, we start having to take down posts and not allow posts because Facebook was looking for a way to take us down. Yeah. So you were in communication with people who knew about social media and you were figuring out what the, the words were. You had words flagged that yep. people couldn't, if they posted that, the protest. Posted. Yeah. Anything with weapons, yeah. anything violence. I mean, the gridlock stuff we promoted Yeah, and we were advocating the spread of disease by promoting that. Yeah. So we yeah. start getting policy violations in which I didn't really know at the time. I, we talked about this before the podcast. With the knowledge that we now know, yeah, I would have done things way differently. A lot differently. I would but, have, but again, collected you, data. At this point, you're just a chiropractor, a patriot yep. that's feeling the same way as apparently hundreds of thousands of other people were feeling. Yep. So you weren't trying to incite, no. you know, domestic terrorism or violence. You're just saying this isn't right. Yes, isn't right. Okay, and so then they come after you, and then around that time, I get a call from a gentleman named Gordon Pennington. Remember Gordo. Gordon Gordo. And he, he said, actually, he called Pastor Jason, uh, George, just my pastor, and said, hey, we're going to go meet at the Z Hall. There's this guy that started this Michiganders Against Excessive Quarantine group, and he's going to come. And Gordon has brought a lot of people to Owasso that were, you know, big names and different things. And sometimes I've gone to those and been like, I didn't really need to be here for this. And so I was just kind of like, I don't really want to go. We had planned to watch a movie. It was a Saturday night. Or like, we were going to watch a movie. And then Pastor Jason calls and is like, hey, we should go to this. You know, Chef Jeff is, is cooking dinner. I'm like, oh, you know, I hadn't eaten out in weeks because all the restaurants were closed. And Chef Jeff is a great chef. So I'm like, all right, I'll go for the food. I'm a big dude. I need a good meal. So I go, and that's the night I meet you. I meet Kevin Skinner. I meet Gordon. Beast. I knew Gordon Pennington. I met Dave Scareland. Yep, Dave. Yeah, the Beast. Uh, Kevin Skinner, the Beast. I met Ron Armstrong. Yep. I Ronnie. met his wife. I met Nicole. What's Nicole's last name? I forget. I can't remember her last yeah. name. She's married now. So, yep. um, sorry, Nicole, if you're watching. Um, and then there was another pastor there. There was a few other people. And you just kind of 
stood up and was presenting to us what you did and what happened. And, and then, you know, Kevin talked and, and that was the same day that you also met Ron and some of those other people that ended up being a part of Stand Up Michigan. And I remember listening to that and I'm like, I don't know if I want to get involved with these crazy people. <laughs> Honestly, I was like, I, this isn't probably not for me. I didn't tell anybody what I do, who I am. I, I, I wasn't interested for sure. I was just kind of sitting back. But I knew that something had to be done. But I'm just like, I don't know if, if I'm the right person for this. And I remember I took Kevin Skinner home. You guys parked at Meyer, yeah. So that they didn't, in. they didn't see all of our cars behind the Z because we were illegally meeting. You know, at, at you know what you say. It's funny because you're triggering a bunch of memories. Like it was insane to drive two hours, uh-huh. nobody on the road. Yeah, like it was only me. Yeah, and at that time the state police would pull you over and say, "Where are you going?" Mm-hmm. Are you going to work? Are you going to the hospital? Because yeah. you weren't supposed to be out there just meeting people. Right. Because you got in trouble. Mm-hmm. So it was like. Easy to think about that. That's what happened. So I just remember going, I'm going to get pulled over. Yeah. You know, where I'm, I was going to pull the thing. Like, I have an emergency patient. Yeah. <laughs> Two yeah. hours away. That's all yeah. I was going to say. Yeah. And try to roll with. But it was, it was like the apocalypse. Yeah. There's nobody on the road for two hours. I would see like one car every 15 to 20 miles going yeah. in the opposite direction. Just crazy times. It's crazy. It changed all of us. Well, of all the people I met that night, really the only two that resonated with me in terms of like, I can see the passion behind these two guys was you and Kevin Skinner. And, you know, Kevin, just, just a good old boy, big old duck dynasty beard. And, you know, (laughs) he'd sit on, he'd sit on lives and eat his Funyuns and talk (laughs) to people for hours. Talk talk to people for hours. I did the morning shift. He did the night. Just, just so, uh, you know, play his music. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I, I remember meeting you guys. Then we had a few more meetings. We went to Nuevo and we went yeah. to Lansing and we met at different places and just talking about what we should do. And right away we identified that since there was censorship happening, yep. eventually this group's going to get shut down. Yep. We just knew we it knew was going to happen. Yep. So we said we need to create a website so we, we, a way we can direct people, not for any other reason but to stay in touch because, yeah. you know, it's a lot easier to push things forward when you have hundreds of thousands of people behind it. So yep. if we're going to keep everyone together, which is not what they wanted to do, we need to find a way. So, and then we determined let's not be against something. Let's be for something. So mm-hmm. instead of Michiganders against excessive quarantine, let's come up with a name that says that we're for something. And so yep. we threw a lot of ideas out there, but ultimately we came up with the idea of stand up Michigan. Yep. Cause we really, that people need to stand up if they're tired of this, you know, we live in a, in a nation the first country in the history of the world to create a constitutional republic that is for the people, by the people, that we the people are supposed to be in charge, that mm-hmm. our elected officials work for us. Now, a lot of people don't understand it anymore, but that's, yeah. we were the first civil, the first people in history to try that. Yep. And people forget what we fought against. So we knew it needed to be, okay, let's, as a people, let's come together. We're not inciting violence. We're not trying to you know, threaten anybody, but well, we're going to stand up. Like, no, you've gone too far. Yep. Can't do this. So we decided to come with the name Stand Up Michigan. We kind of developed a brand and a logo. I remember we had a meeting where I presented to the whole board, like, here's an idea for the logo and we could sell merchandise, which was an easy way to raise money and, and then also show solidarity as people yeah, want unity yeah we want to be a part of something none of us were trying to make any money <clears throat> we didn't make any money no none I mean, that's of, the thing like we're doing it for money like we'd never like when i stepped down in november of 2020 i think it was we never took a penny no and, and matter of fact we were putting money in yeah i put money in ron armstrong put a lot of money in 
um, to keep that thing afloat because when we start selling all that merch, a lot of people don't know this, we, we made a lot of money overnight. I forgot yeah. what the number was, but then the banks wouldn't release us the money. No, for six months. Six months. We didn't get the money. And they and it was just a mess, and we don't know if it was a conspiracy theory or they were trying to hold us back. Who knows? There was a lot of things that got discovered, but literally, yeah, we turned, we turned the website on. Well, and overnight, remember. there was $120,000 in sales and yeah. donations yep. that happened within yep. 24 hours. Boom. And yes, the bank froze it. Froze all the money. Yeah, Wouldn't let us have. And the reason we wanted money is because we were going to try to get legislation passed. Yeah. And we were going to try to hold events that people could come together and we could. And, and we did. We, we got a concurrent resolution. I forget which one it was. Um, HB, HB 47 or something. something. Yep. I don't know. We're on the House and the Senate to floor. demand the hospital data. Yep. You know, our movement was a big part of that. And yes. that was behind the scenes now with now the politicians start to say, okay, now we have the people. Yeah. It's funny. And it, it still it just makes me upset about the political nature of things. I mean, we can do 17 more podcasts to talk about this. But party affiliation really doesn't matter to me. Obviously, it's do it for the people and for the politicians to jump on board. When we had the people, they were doing it for their own self-interest. Mm -hmm. Oh, now you should have been the one standing up. Yep. You know, and I still will call them out until I die um, about how they didn't stand up for us. Where were you? Right. Why didn't you lead the show? Why didn't you start this group? Why didn't you start mobilizing people to stand up? No, it took ordinary people, ordinary Americans to do extraordinary yeah. things. And, and what, that was our movement. And what people don't understand and don't realize and maybe didn't remember, maybe we didn't communicate it well, but again, our platforms were getting taken down left and right. Um, that that house bill that we got pushed for, that concurrent resolution, yep. that forced the legislature to finally say, no, we're going to say your 28 days is up. Yep, have a backbone. And in that forced the governor to decide, I'm going to go against the legislature, which is against the Michigan Supreme yep. Court. Which she decided to do, yep. but at least the legislator now <clears throat> took a stand. legislature took a stand, and that shows the power of the people, yep. and that's what. Was, so then we realized that like, we really have something here. And then go back too is the, the not only the politicians, but we have a lot of grassroots organizations in Michigan. Michigan mm -hmm. is a interesting state, mm -hmm. and I didn't know any of this until we got involved in politics. Me neither. But there's all these kind of little factions of people. All was self-interest. Mm -hmm. And all of them wanted that group that we had. Yes. They and they were getting angry and they still this day, they're just the radical ones. Like you weren't letting us post and you said don't go to the Second Amendment rally. I was like, I didn't say any of that. Yeah. I said we can't post that stuff and before that because yeah. we were advocating the spread of disease and we would have had to take the group down. Well, you're censoring us, and they crew scream and yeah. gripe and they throw hate. And yeah. I just ban them. I don't yeah. care. I don't care if you've been watching right now. I'll yeah. ban your ass again. <laughs> and the whole thing is is they continue to do that, but yeah. it's all for self-interest. Yeah. And I was just trying, and I was the one taking all the heat and the hate because yeah. most of the other people, besides Kevin Skinner, stay in the shadows. Mm -hmm. Me and Kevin were at the forefront taking the arrows. Our businesses taking the arrows. Nobody else wanted to do the lives. Right. And I was in there taking a lot because I was censoring them. No, I was trying to keep, at that time, 386,000 people together now because right. it grew to 400,000. And I was willing to take those arrows to keep people combined until we got the website up and running and we got our other platforms going because if we lost connection, we were screwed. And yeah. as a leader, you have to be willing to take those arrows. Yeah, and that's absolutely correct. I mean, there was a rally, I think, on April 30th. It was at the Capitol. It made national news because guys ran into the Capitol with AR-15s and yeah. caused a big scene. And again... You know, do I believe in the Second Amendment? Absolutely. Do I believe that people have the right if they feel like they want to carry an AR-15 around? Absolutely. Sure, they have a right. But we determined, and, and as a group, yep. early on, that we weren't going to give the media anything reasons to discredit us. Yep. 
We're going to show patriotism. We're not going to hold signs. We're going to yep. bring American flags. We're not going to be hateful. We're going to be positive. And, and that's in there. Again, Garrett's difficult to work with. Yeah. You're damn right I am. <laughs> when you're going against what we're trying to do for the good of the whole. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. that's where and so, I will be a, a pain in the butt. A leader has foresight. Yeah. Exactly. And, and we and, and, and you and, and the group recognize that if we have 10,000 people at a rally all holding American flags and being patriotic and two people show up with an AR-15, that's all the media is going to focus on. Yep. So we just determined we're not telling people what they can't do, but that's not what we're going to focus on. Around. This yep. isn't a Second Amendment battle. Yep. This was a battle about constitutional freedom, citizens' rights, sacred values. So we're going to focus on that. And it's like some of the other conservatives just couldn't, couldn't wrap their mind around no. why we couldn't include their little event that yep. was 40 people. And we weren't against it. We were supporting We even promoted those events yep. on our lives and, and told people to go. In the beginning, at the end, I didn't. Well, yeah. Because you couldn't. Because you get taken down. But, but then, you know, it's like we were hosting our own events we're asking people to come to ours, but nobody could just have their own thing no. they, they needed garrett to be there exactly. in order to make it legit that was the problem right that and they get so mad when i wouldn't do it and it's still to this day even like if he doesn't show up it's he's horrible or yeah. he has an ego yeah there's only so much of me to go around but if you're not going to go according with the vision that we're trying to put in place right. then we don't want nothing to do with you because we did have a vision and we had a plan and we started getting things done so we got the concurrent resolution done yep and then our, our buddy Kevin Skinner started hearing all these different grassroots groups complaining, yep. throwing arrows at Stand Up Michigan, talking about people in the we group. We weren't even Stand Up Michigan then because we had to go back to Carl Mankey's Barbershop on which guy was that's, taken that's down. That's right, yeah. So right here in Owasso, yep. you came to uh, – Carl, Carl had a press conference, yep. and Fox News was there covering it, CNN, CNN ABC, NBC. They're all there everyone. covering it. And then little AZ Business Solutions had our tiny little cameras that yeah. we had at the time. And Garrett had his phone. And we're covered. And Garrett comes with his phone and does a live. Yep. And that, that night, was national news. Yep. But yet your group yep. gets shut down. It said just for advocating the spread of infectious Still got disease. the screenshot of the notifi notification. Yep. Exactly. We just said advocating the spread of disease. Gone. So in that moment, now we had just launched the website. I no, think we didn't yet. We hadn't yet? No, we haven't launched yeah. anything. And so that's where I went on. We started another called Stand Up Michigan. Yeah. Right? Uh, and group. it grew to like 40,000 overnight, I think, something like that. And then we at least had a little bit of the group yeah. there. And that's when we did the website. But it went from 400,000 to the second group we started was like 120,000. And, and it hit that. Just to let you know, this is how important it was to keep people connected. A year ago, Tony, I'm not talking months later, I remember getting messages like two years after we got shut down when I was mm -hmm. campaigning going, where have you been? I haven't seen you since Michiganers Against yeah. Excessive Quarantine. Yeah. <laughs> like, what? Dude, I'm running for governor. <laughs> yeah, like, where have you been, right? No. But and people would, it was so, a disconnection. So not only did our group get shut down, but the social media platforms made an intentional effort to keep like people, common people, Disconnected. Disconnected. Yep. To make sure that things that you were posting or that Stand Up Michigan was posting was not getting seen by those original people, which is just insane that somebody has that much power. But, you know, we'll get into that. So, yeah, you do this live at Carl Mankey's. It gets shut down. Shut down. We then launch the website maybe a week later. I don't remember the exact time. It was timeline. several days, I think. We finally, we were working <clears> on <throat> it. We finally, yeah. we got to go live with this thing. We turn it on. We get all these donations. It gets frozen. And we're talking about doing some big things. We're realizing there's power behind this. Yep. We're, we're, we're pushing the right buttons. And then all of a sudden, you know, our buddy, Kevin Skinner, 
he starts to hear these other groups saying this about Stand Up Michigan and this about some of the people involved and these people are doing this and they're taking money from Mike Shirky and there's dark money and there's all these things. And Kevin then starts to question things himself. And, you know, Kevin, you know, for whatever reason decided I'm going to step away from Stand Up Michigan. You know, he's an emotional guy. And I'll just say in my experience with, with, with Kevin, I've always liked Kevin. Kevin, if you're watching, I love you, brother. Always have. But he just, he didn't have the foresight. No, he, we he had reacted. It was me. We had a meeting with him, me and Ron, and we were talking about what we we're going to do with Stand Up Michigan. And he was going to be the spokesperson. That's what he wanted. He just, yeah. he was done with the drama, I think. Um, and Kevin will speak on what, what he felt. But I think he was just done with the drama, done with all this energy. He's just like, I just want to be the spokesperson. Yeah. And we're like, okay. So he resigned from the board, if you can call us a board at that time. Yeah. Um, and he, we right. were just going to have him come. And a week later, I think, we had that big Freedom, Freedom Fest. Fest in New he, came. he came he and spoke. spoke. Yep. Yep. And then I think then he wanted to be back in. We're like, well, just be the spokesperson. And then the Catherine Henry stuff was their petition, which is a whole different yeah. ball game, um, started. And so he went and helped her, and we saw the drama happen. Yeah. Yeah. With that. Yeah. And so Kevin decided to step away. Yep. And it was all on good terms that we thought. And then yeah. you know, a few months later, he made a video saying yeah. that there was this and that happening. And then he recanted that video. And, you know, um, so, you know, that's a kind of a whole thing and how that went down. But you know, we, like I said, at first he was still involved. And then we got approached by Unlock Michigan. So we were doing the podcast, man, like. This is where oh, yeah. I Beauty and the Beast. The entrepreneur side of me going, okay, we have something because that podcast that you developed, the Beauty and the Beast podcast with me and Kevin, dude, you hit that lamp again. We're I done. Did. I know. <laughs> Keep it off to the side. Am I blocking the camera? Um, but we had that podcast and it was awesome. And yeah. it was just like, it would, and I really truly believe this. Like yeah. if we would have kept at that, that would have been an ultra success. I do too. And I really believe we could have monetized that. And me and Kevin could have done something really, really spectacular yeah. with that. Because look at the content we would have had over the last two years. Yeah. We probably would have been taken down, but we could have did something very special with that podcast. Cause it was, great. it was cool, but it didn't work out that way. But the haters came out yep. and got to some and, and it just, you know, but you know, I think we realized like, money. We, we got something good going on here. And so then Unlock Michigan approached us about this petition that didn't need to go uh, on the ballot, that if we just got 336,000 signatures, yeah. that it would go right to the legislature. The legislature and they, and they all, the legislature said, we'll pass it. Yep. And so we realized this was something we could get behind. We put a lot of energy behind it. It was not Stand Up Michigan's petition. Nope. It was Unlock Michigan. We were just, they came to us because they realized we had the network. Yeah. And so you started talking about it day after day after day. We started having events all summer long. We were doing these Freedom Fests, getting thousands and thousands of people to show up. Matter of fact, the one in Nuevo had a probably best estimate, 2,500 to 3,000 people in a little town. People showed up out of, you know, all over the state. Someone came from Maine because yep. they've been following us online. And so we start pushing it. And, you know, that's when the whole accusation of dark money yeah. Came up, who's funding it? Mike Shirky's behind it. Well, blah, blah, blah. And, and like looking back now and knowing how that whole organization, I think Mike was donating to that. Sure. Yeah, he was. But it was like, well, where, so was I. Yeah. So the, it's, <laughs> it's, yeah, it was an establishment petition. Mm -hmm. No doubt about it. Yeah. Right. And I, and I don't know Mike Shirky's pack. I, I don't know for sure, but I think it was funding it or partly funding it. Um, but we all had the same goal at that time is to take away yeah. her powers. Right. And so that's where working together, Right. right, can come up with a positive solution if we, too, work together. And mm -hmm. so that's 
where that kind of like mixed. But I do know this. If it wasn't for Stand Up Michigan, they would have never got it done. Well, and that's the thing. And, and even though maybe everybody involved in the background of that wasn't, you know, what, what we wanted or didn't know, we knew that was a good thing. Yeah. And it was we, something because what happened is everybody has a gripe. Everybody yeah. screams and yells and it's not good enough. It's that. Then start your own petition. Right. Or they started their own petition like Catherine Henry did with hers and they didn't. Which we promoted. We promoted. And let them come to the event. And they, we actually had told our volunteers to go help her. Yeah. Knowing with the agreement at the end of June that petition would have been done because we were planning on starting the Unlock Michigan petition the second mm-hmm. week of July. Yeah. And then when they didn't get their numbers at June because they were being very secretive about what they were getting, it was basically chaos mm-hmm. watching everything online with happened and the drama and everything else with Kevin Skinner and her. But they didn't reach the goal. And then at the end of June, they're like, well, we're going to continue it. Well, it wasn't the agreement. We need our volunteers back. And so we started it, and that's when they started hating us. Our own people were attacking us us and hating on us, and we're like, we're all in this together. Well, it's not good enough. You didn't get it through. We're going to get something and get it done and get through. And that's what we were able to do. And we got 539,000 signatures in 80 80 days. days. It was, we were told, a record for the state of Michigan. At the time. And, you know, the story goes, everybody knows, we felt like we had this big victory. Then a couple days later, the Supreme, or maybe it was the same day, the Supreme Court rules seven to nothing against Gretchen Whitmer. The same day we turned it into the Secretary of State. Was it seven to nothing? I thought so, yeah. yeah the, Democrat, the Democratic, uh, I thought it was by one vote because we had the majority. Might have been. Was I don't it 4-3? It maybe. might have been 4-3. I, I don't know. Either way, the Supreme Court ruled in, in favor, favor of, the legislature. of the legislature and said every executive order that Gretchen Whitmer had it's made since... April 28th, yep. which was her 28 days over, was unconstitutional. And you could go on the Michigan.gov website, and it said rescinded, rescinded, rescinded. Yep. They were all still there, but they said they weren't. And so we thought, great, man. We, we did won. This. We won this thing, and we, you know, you had promised that you were going to do this. You were ready to go back to your life. I was done. and Because uh, I made a vow. I would not quit until yep. we restore the checks and balances, and I thought it was done. And then... Well, the unthinkable happened. She weaponized Somebody the health department. She got the health department to do her dirty work. Yep. And, and then she stayed in the shadows. Yep. Very. She's a smart politician. Sneaky. Yep. And so then, you know, uh, we didn't know necessarily what to do about that. We were still pushing back. The stand-up was still doing a lot of things. But you determined that you needed to take some time back with your family. Yep. And you decided, you made a video. It was in probably November. Does that sound right? Yeah, early November. To step down from Santa yep. Michigan. So when you decided like this group that started with a video that you made, it grew to this thing that you never could imagine, but you allowed people to get involved to help because you didn't know what to do or how to, we, none of us knew what we were doing. We were all just patriots trying to do the right thing to step away from that, that thing that you had kind of created. Mm-hmm. Helped create. Um, yeah. yeah. Helped create. Um, how did that feel? Like what was um, going on in your heart and in your mind? Like at that time, there was a lot of stuff going on in my mind. Our business was getting throttled. My employees were constantly getting hated on and phone calls and everything else throughout this process. Um, we were hurting at home, right? Because yeah. dad was gone away from his kids. Um, there was just a lot. And I think, like you just said, I just needed some time to contemplate what was going to go on next. Mm-hmm. So there a was- A lot of people were asking you to run for governor. Yeah, I mean, and I, I, and at the time I was like, okay, am I going to run for governor? Am I going to run for state rep, uh, school board? I didn't know what it was. Mm-hmm. I, I heard some people talk, um, you know, what I should do, but I didn't know. Um, so I just took some time the next six weeks to really figure out what that was. You know, there'd be days like, hey, I should run for governor. I'm like, no, I don't want to do that, man. That's a lot of work. Yeah. And then state rep. And then when this was happening, I really 
what kind of solidified my decision making was when Governor Whitmer weaponized the health department. She canceled Thanksgiving and Christmas, and then she canceled our schools and locked down the restaurants to 25% capacity and canceled these kids' athletics. Then I was like ticked off again. Yeah. It was like all the way back in the beginning because at that time we did have data. Yeah. We did have the research. We knew that this could be managed in a different way. Other states were doing it the right way. And for her to double down, that's when I'm like, this is wrong. She's doing it again. Yeah. And that's when I said, you know, we have to do something. We have to, we have to do something quick here. Um, and that's when my wife and I started talking on the couch um, about the different options. And she said, hey, you need to run for governor. Yeah. And I was just like, are you nuts? <laughs> yeah. Like, I, and it was in my mind. We thought about it. But, but it, it just became real. It became real real quick. And she's like, the people need you. And then, then well, it was like, oh, I got to go down this road again. Yeah. Well, just like you said at the beginning, like the reason you stood up for the beginning was that nobody in a position of power was standing up. Yeah. No one that we were looking to to be our voice in Lansing was doing anything. And so you felt like you had to do something. And here we are again, like at that time, nobody else had thrown their hat in the ring or, or maybe I think maybe Ryan Kelly had thrown no, his hat. No, he didn't. I think he threw his hat in the ring in January. Yeah. So nobody so, did. So at that time, nobody was really, and at that time, you know, we didn't think. No, nobody even knew who Ryan was at that time. You no. know? And I mean, I didn't know. Maybe I can't say nobody. I had never heard of him. I didn't know who he was. I know you had had some communication I mean, with him, but yep. didn't know necessarily who he was or what his following was like. So you're thinking like, nobody's stepping up to this. And at that time, there were still 18 months until the Yeah, and like we heard r rumors that John James, James yeah. Craig, those are the only two names that were known at the time that could maybe run, um, but, but nobody was. And you usually don't, and now it's 18 months out. No. Uh, you, or 20, at that time, it was 20 months, right? Right. Or 23 months. Right. And so... But you knew we had momentum. We yeah. knew we had people. We're like, yeah. you know, maybe for such a time as this, I'm supposed to do this. And you had called me and you just told me like, you know, this isn't necessarily what I want to do, Tony, but I feel like I have to do this. My wife feels like I'm supposed to do this. I feel like this has all led to me having to do this. And so now that I've decided that I have to do this, I'm going to go all in and yeah. I'm going to do it to the best of my ability and let go and let God see, leave the results up to him. And we just started campaigning and we yeah. got a team and, you know, yeah. and things started going, you know, during that time you still had stayed active. You were going to some of the let them play stuff with Jamie McIlvaney. Um, you were still involved in some of the restaurants going and speaking yeah, at restaurants. I, you <clears throat> stayed active, but you were just trying to inspire people. You didn't necessarily want to run for office, but when you decided yeah. that you were going to do it, it was all in. Let's go for this thing. Uh, we made the announcement, and in the first quarter, man, first day. Well, yeah, the fundraising it was, was hundred I think one hundred fifty thousand dollars in twenty four hours. So then it's like, okay, there's people behind this. Yeah, like, we raised one hundred fifty thousand dollars of people that said yes because people we were laughing at us when we were like when we announced. Oh yeah, like they're like, yeah, here we go. Here's this activist, this chiropractor. The grassroots candidate has never never done. done. They can't fundraise. That's right. what it was on. And then right. we said, hold my beer, yeah. right? Um, and that's when we raised that amount of money in 24 hours. That's when people said, okay, well, wait a minute. And then that first quarter we raised what? 600 and insane amount. Yeah. yeah. 620 some thousand, which we led at the time, which we never, we never, we always out fundraise every other person. Yeah. Yeah. Combined. We did at one time. Well, and then all of a sudden you start seeing all kinds of people throwing their hat in the ring. Yeah. Right. It's just as what happened when at the end of Obama's tenure, you know, when somebody does a poor job in office. It causes people to want to stand up and say, I can't allow this to happen. When, when After Obama's second term, there was like 15 people running for president on the on the Republican side. Like uh, There was a lot of people that said, I, I don't. So you had here in Michigan, 
I think 10 people at one point running for governor because they're like, I can't deal with Gretchen Whitmer anymore. Yeah. Our governor has done such a poor job that 10 different people threw their hat in the ring, which I think is maybe one of the most ever we've had on the Republican ticket. It was ticket. a crowded field. Yeah, and, and these were all different. I mean, these were staunch Republicans. These yep. were middle-of-the-roaders. These were independents all saying, listen, this governor. And, and the thing is, the majority of the candidates didn't have any political experience. Which is a good thing. But they were just saying, we've, we've had enough with this. And so then all of a sudden, James Craig comes out and Jimmy, all the establishment Republicans show up for his, you know, big announcement. And all of a sudden he has this name because he's well known in Detroit. He was the chief of police. All of a sudden, tons of people go, you know, say that they're supporting this or at least the media is portraying that this is the front runner. And, you know, nobody had heard of him before this. And actually, during the lockdowns, he was enforcing Governor Whitmer sayings. He was bragging, bragging about, about it, yeah. how he wrote so many tickets and shut down parties. And now all of a sudden he wants to run against her. It's like, this just doesn't seem like it's our guy. And even you said, man, if there's somebody else that can legitimately be here, I'll, I'll hand the torch over and say, but, but we still seem like we had a lot of people behind the movement and what was yeah. happening. And so we kept pushing forward. And then all of a sudden this uh, Perry Johnson guy comes in, you know, businessman. With his, and, with his cup. Yeah. <laughs> he always has his yeah. cup. Yeah. Everywhere he went, he always had that ceramic cup. He had that cup. Yep. Yep. And so, um, you know, all these names started coming in. And, you know, of course, Ryan Kelly and Tudor Dixon. And, you know, the, on the list goes. Then we have the first debate. Ten people. Actually, there was nine people. James Craig didn't show up. And you had the epic mic drop. Like, <laughs> can I answer for James Craig since he's not here? And that video went viral. Um, and then all of a sudden, we find out that five of those candidates. Yeah had fraudulent signatures, signatures yeah. which we find out later that our secretary of state knew was happening and didn't tell anybody. Which is wrong. Absolutely wrong. And it was a plan. And, and we find out later that she was hoping that all of the candidates use these same you know people. But really, the only campaigns that used volunteers was, was a few. And those are the only ones that didn't get yeah. kicked out. Yep. Kicked out. And so... I think the only ones that used volunteers and 100%, I think, is me, Ryan Kelly. I think Ralph, too. Pastor Ralph. Yeah, Pastor Ralph. Yeah. I think Tudor paid, had paid circulators because she has ties to unlock she, she was She was in question at the beginning, yep. but she had enough to meet, meet the... And meet then the, Kevin Rinky had paid circulators, too. Yeah, but, but both of them got enough to yep. get past the... So five candidates gone. Gone. Uh, James Craig, Markey, Which Perry Johnson. Which yeah. It, I mean, we said it, the more crowded, the better for us, yeah. which proved to be true. Yeah. Um, if, if they all would have stayed in the race, it probably would have been a different outcome. But at that you time, know? at that time, Tudor, who's our candidate now, we'll yep. talk about in a minute, she was polling at like 1% or 2%. Yep. She was an unknown. Nobody really knew about her background. And so we weren't sure if she was a threat. We kind of had an idea that maybe she was because some of the people she had on her team were connected with the Trump campaign. And um, but we just kept doing what we're doing. And now the polls are showing something we thought we should have automatically, as we were polling a third yeah. behind James Craig and Ryan, Ke uh, not Ryan Kelly, um, Perry Johnson, we should be propelled into the front. Um, but then that wasn't what was happening or we were seeing in the polls. And it's hard to know if you can trust these polls yeah. or not, but we just kept doing what we're doing. And then all of a sudden we're, we're learning more and more about the Ryan Kelly campaign. And you know, I'm, I'm not here to say anything negative about Ryan. I know you and Ryan have been in communication since he's been on your podcast. And mm -hmm. what we found later is that, you know, Ryan Kelly is a you know good guy, grassroots guy trying to get. But there was a lot of people saying a lot of things about you and, and our campaign, and our movement that just weren't true. 
And so what happened is the grassroots got divided. Split. It split. And I think the people at the top wanted that to happen because, you know, if you look at what happened on primary day, you combine you and Ryan Kelly and Ralph's votes, you you win. You win. Or or whoever is at the top of that wins. It was. It would have been very, very competitive. Two, two hundred. Uh, it, it would have been with all those combined. It'd have been four hundred and twenty thousand votes, and I think Tudor got just over four hundred thousand. So it'd have been very, very, very close. And of course, everything that's supposed to happen happens, right? Mm-hmm. God's in control, and so we let go. But I mean, some of those people that were jumped from Garrett to Ryan, and I don't want to blame Ryan for this. I don't want to blame anyone for this, but the people were, were saying things like we can't support Garrett because of all the dark money that he took, yeah. which just, which is public knowledge that yeah. you can look up everything. Look Every up. campaign donation is public. So let's clear this up. Did you or stand up Michigan take dark money? Never, never, never. Now when I was with stand up Michigan up to that point, I yeah. can't speak for stand up Michigan after I stepped down after November. Right. I can't. Right. Cause I but wasn't up, part of the board. up to the point when, and it was Never. all back to the, not unlock, one penny. It was all back to the unlock Michigan thing. Yeah. Now maybe unlock Michigan had some dark money donated to it. We don't know. Mm-hmm. We're not, you know, you can go look at what was donated and who donated what we do know again, like we said, Mike Shirky donated yep. money and his pack donated money, but whether that's dark money or what, but, but we were not unlock Michigan. We were helping this, this petition yep. that was owned by unlock Michigan. And then there's the stuff that, <coughs> Garrett's a rhino, which cracked me up because I'm like, rhino, he's a rhino. Rhino stands for Republican and name only. I'm yep. like, if there's a true Republican out there, it's Garrett. This guy has put everything on the on the line, and but people were believing it because yep. social media, because of things that are said. Somebody just says it, and then there's enough people that will believe it was true. And Ryan, I don't know that was the one saying the things, but he certainly wasn't. Correct. It was his people. followers. I mean, the one thing with, and it wasn't all of his followers, obviously, but there was a few that were very loud um, and they were very good at putting themselves online to spread this misinformation campaign, yeah. which, you know what? It's it, politics is a dirty game. They wanted yeah. to win just as much as we did. Yeah. Um, but looking back at it, and I had this discussion with Ryan, is like we wouldn't have ran against each other. We're, yeah. we're in this. Yeah. And, you know, we came right close in the third place there, right behind Kevin Rinke. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we would have had the grassroots combined, which unfortunately just didn't happen. I mean, yeah. we were we were in basically in um, just conflict the entire time. Yeah. And I think it all has to come down to, Tony, is what we talked about earlier, is self-interest. Yeah, They wanted that platform. And I think that's what gets them so mad and upset is how easily we were able to build platforms. And they can yeah. never. Yeah. And there's a reason, yeah. you know, I, I'm a leader. I unite people. I motivate and inspire people. That's God's, um, what God has basically gifted me to do. Yeah. And I'm just good at it. Yeah. And so wherever I go, I can accumulate people and get people to do things. Why? Cause I don't have self-interest. Yeah. I do it to help them. I do it to inspire. And that's what leaders are supposed to do. Right. And the people who are against that, they can never have that. It can never comprehend that. Well, and during the entire campaign and, and in my close time with you, I never heard you say something negative about Ryan, no. even though you knew that his supporters, and again, I don't know that Ryan was saying bad things about you, but his supporters were, and very loudly, and he wasn't necessarily correcting him, and maybe he didn't know, maybe he heard some of the things and thought it was true, but again, since you guys, since the uh, campaign, you guys have talked, and yeah. it seems like you it, guys both realize, like, hey, we're on the same team here. It's funny because um, how this one debate, uh, we had, what, six debates? Jeez, oh, it's crazy. Um, in the primary, and I followed Ryan, and Ryan and I pretty much had the same platform of beliefs. Yeah. You know, 
I everybody wants to live in Ryan Kelly State. Yeah. Right. He's probably going to TikTok that now that yeah. I said that. Um, <laughs> but it's true. Like yeah. everything he said, I agreed with because yeah. we have the same beliefs. Yeah. He has a different way of approaching it. Yeah. He's a little bit more forceful, I yeah. believe. And yeah. it's my way or the highway. I tend to use a little bit more empowerment. Yeah. Is I don't force anybody. I just empower people to do it. Yeah. But I remember him making a TikTok because every time he'd answer a question, I'd be like, I agree with Ryan. That was I hilarious. Did. And he in the TikTok he made was, it was great. actually really it funny. It was really good. I don't think I ever told you that, Ryan, but it was genius. It was funny. Uh, he's like, well, Garrett. He's just sitting there kind of pointing. Yeah. Like, Garrett, Garrett. Garrett. And I don't remember <laughs> saying it like the seven or eight times, but yeah, everything that he wanted to do with businesses and energy and the school is like, yeah, I agree with Ryan. And because that's the type of person I am, I'm not going to sit there and try to beat my drum louder than him. Right. When somebody says something, I don't have to come up with the idea. Right. I'm like, yeah, it's exactly how I feel. That's exactly how I, I don't feel. need the credit. Yeah. And that's one thing that kind of bothers me when other people say Garrett's just all in for a self-interest and Garrett has a huge ego yeah. and Garrett did it because of Garrett. No, because if that was true, if somebody was going to beat their drum, I would have tried to beat mine louder. Yeah. No, a true leader says, yeah, that's a great idea. That's I a like great that. point. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. <laughs> well, like I said, you and Ryan have, have talked on, you've done a podcast together. Go watch it. You guys have been talking and different things. And you guys both realize, like, we're on the same team here. We both want the same things. Again, different approaches. Yeah. Different ways of going about it. But I think you guys have both agreed not to run against each other again. Because... Well, I made that comment to him. <laughs> yeah. Um, he didn't say whether he would or not. I yeah. just said, I'm not. Like, yeah. it's just not worth it. No. Can't do it. No. Can't split the grassroots again. So, so then ultimately we get to primary night and, you know, we had this amazing event. I mean, that, awesome. that was one of the coolest things I've ever done. The event, yeah. the room, you just walked in, you felt like this is America. Yeah. Uh, it was lit, right? I had, I mean, hundreds of people there. It was packed yeah, house. Great. You gave an incredible speech. Um, and I remember sitting in the war room with you when, you know, we heard the news. Literally early in the night. They were calling it for Tudor. And it was yeah. like, man, this is so early. It was early. only 10% of the vote. Yeah. And I was looking at our team like, yeah, we can't recover from this. I'm like, yeah. well, what do you mean? Yeah, I know. <laughs> Me too. Showed how little, I believe we were going to win. Showed how little we knew. Yeah, yeah, we both went in feeling like we, we got a real this, man. This felt yeah. right. It felt good. And we knew we had done all that we could do. Yeah. There was not more effort that could have been done. There was not no. more miles that could have been put on the vehicle. There was not more events. we could. I mean, at the end, Garrett, we were doing four or five events a day. Yeah. Weeks you know, upon for, weeks. For, for an 18 month period, it was easily four or five events a week. Yep. But then the last month, it was four or five events a day. Yeah, mean, we, we were all over the state of Michigan yeah. multiple times. I mean, you talked about putting 45,000 miles on 43, a vehicle. 43,000. We were looking at our AZ van. Yep. You know, a lot of the things, if, if, if there was a video of, of the Soldano vehicle going, there's going to be probably a little white minivan following the it clown a car. A lot of the places, <laughs> but we put over twenty thousand miles on yeah. our vehicle just doing Garrett events in yeah. the same amount of time. So, I just there's not you know all the video footage that was put out, all the content that was created, all the live, all the petitions, all of the grassroots army, all the phone calls that were made, all the emails that were sent out, all the flyers that were handed out door to door. I mean, there could not have been a more of an effort. And hands out, you know, big, big applause to the grassroots army, yeah. to the grassroots warriors, the thousands of volunteers that were putting their lives, you know, to the side and those helping are the true heroes. Yeah, absolutely, they truly and are those people that just did everything and they felt like they were a part of something. And those people are still following you today. But we we find out early in the evening that they're calling for Tudor Dixon. I was sitting next to you when you heard that. Yeah, and I remember you had just been eating something. You found out the room was kind of quiet. The team, in my opinion, and I'm going to call you guys out a little bit, 
they seemed a little nonchalant about it. Like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah it's Business over. As like, usual. What, what what the heck, on guys? To the like, next campaign, right? It's like, come on, guys. Like, maybe you don't realize. Like, this guy just put two years of his life on hold. Like, yeah. let's like try to soften the blow a little bit. But they were just like, yeah, it's it's over. It's over. And so you gracefully you hugged your wife. Yep. And you said this statement. I don't know if you remember, but you know the guys like, what do you want to do? And you just said, I just want to go be with the people. Yeah. And that resonated with me so much. Like instead of sulking or feeling sorry for yourself. You just wanted to go be with the people and yeah. tell them. And they're like, well, you can wait a minute. And no, I just want to go be with the people. Yep. And I remember following you down there and you walked in and the room went nuts and they cheered and they didn't know yet. No. They're watching the ticker on Fox News or whatever we had on the TV is showing like we looked like we were still in it. Yep. You know, Tudor was high, but we weren't that far behind. We were in second and some and third and second and third. And we're like, there's still a lot of vote to come in. 10% of the vote, there's still, you know, and some of the areas we thought we were going to do really well in, we knew we weren't going to do great in Southeast Michigan because we didn't have the money to spend. We were, Tudor spent a lot of her money in Southeast Michigan. So, but we thought, man, in the Northern parts of the state and the West side, we're going to do really well. And those hadn't been reported yet. But then we walk in and you go up on stage and you give the speech. And I just remember people just bawling their eyes out. Yeah, it was tough. Tears, just... My he, brother he, stayed in that hotel that night, and he yeah. said when he came down that next morning, people were still crying in the hallways. Yeah, and that's that's what hurts. It wasn't yeah. that that I lost; it's letting those people down. That that was the hard pill to swallow, because mm-hmm. I know those folks have been with me for some of them ever since the beginning for two and a half years. I know they put their life on hold. They spent hours upon hours making phone calls, door knocking, showing up to rallies, being on social media. I mean, those folks put it all out there, mm-hmm. and that was the team that we created. You know, I knew that I was going to be able, because I've lost before. I lost big time in my life, and that loss obviously really hurt. But I was more concerned for them mm-hmm. because these folks just put it all on the line with me. Um, and that's, that's, that's tough. It's still tough today. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, 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 the concession speech was absolutely the right words. Yeah. You said all the right things. It was one of the best concession speeches I've ever heard. Don't even remember and what then, I said. It was great. We can, we can roll the, the footage. Uh, and then you called Tudor and congratulated her, which we found out. I think you were the only one only that called one to her do it. And, and called yeah. and, and congratulated gracefully. And the next morning you got up, made a live video, told all of your supporters you need to get behind Tudor Dixon, yep. which I'm sure was hard to do. It was. Because at that time, you know, we didn't know a lot about Tudor. We had heard, you know, we had seen some of the people that were backing her. And so you had called that out as yep. you always do. And so you and Tudor had had some little back and forth during the debates. Debate. Yep. But we realized, like, we got to get Whitmer out. And so you supported her. But before we get into that, and we'll finish with talking about what's going on today and talk about Tudor, walk us through when you got the news. I just described it from my point of view, like how I saw the whole thing. But when you got told that's it, when, what was when going we were in your, the room? Yeah. What was going um, through your mind? And kind of take us through the next few minutes. It's surreal in my head, just like just a kick in the gut. You know, we, I, especially when you leave it all out in the field, I mean, you, you know that you had the opportunity and a shot, but again, it, it just kind of shows you that no matter, you know, what you do, you want to make sure that you do leave it all in the field. So when, if you do come up short, you say, I, I couldn't have done anymore. Right. And that's the unfortunate game with this. There's so much stuff behind the scenes. I don't even know what's true and what's not true. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been yeah, told two different scenarios. You know, a lot of people don't know, but I was told that I had the Trump endorsement. 
Yeah. I had it. That was one of the things I want to talk about. Yeah, we, we were ready. We had the jet lined up. We were flying down within 72 hours waiting for it to get on the schedule. Nobody knew because um, we were told that we had to keep it on wraps because what I was told that there were people on the Tudor campaign that would try to stop it. Mm-hmm. That's what was told to me. So even our own consultants didn't know. I think three people, and you were one of them, um, or four people, including my wife, knew that that was taking place. Um, so if we knew if we would have got that Trump endorsement and I was told he was even willing to do it over the phone at the time mm-hmm. that we probably would have won yeah. because that Trump endorsement held a lot of weight. Um, it changed the polls a lot. It, it did. And at the time he was staying out of the race and kind of seeing, and then all these polls started to come out and then Tudor started to rise in the polls. Um, and then I got the phone call that they stopped the endorsement. Mm-hmm. They stopped the meeting, which till to this day, I'm still just upset. I didn't get to meet him. Yeah. If I would have went in there and met him and I wouldn't have got his endorsement, I think that would have settled better with me. Sure. But never getting the opportunity for them actually to what I was told, I don't know if this is true or not, to block the meeting with him, I never got my shot. Yeah. All I ever wanted in life was a shot. Yeah. And if I would have had that meeting, he said, you're not the guy for whatever reason, I probably would have said. could have lived with that. Yeah, I could have lived with it. But for the dirty game between behind the scenes with politics to what happened, and I don't know what's true or not. I heard both sides. Yeah, I mean, um, I was told that someone close to you got on the phone with him and told him that you were difficult to work with. And I don't know who that is or what that is. Not who, somebody who's close to me, somebody yeah. who worked with me Yeah. in the past. Yeah. And I don't know if that was true or not. Yeah, um, but that's hard to hear. It, it is hard to hear. Again, and I will defend that statement yeah. because if you disagree with me and we're having two different belief systems, I'll fight and stand up. I've proven that time and time again. Right. And I'm not saying... Um, that rumor is the reason why. Sure. Um, I just think that th- there was a lot of behind the scenes of people trying to stop it. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't to stop Garrett, it was to stop the people, which is concerning to me. Yeah. Because we all want the same thing at the end, right. um, is for Whitmer to be out of office. Yep. And if Tudor wins this thing, which she has a very good opportunity to do so because she just did a fantastic Killed it job in the, in the debates. Killed it. Um, just did a great job. Um, it was very, very great to watch. I, I wish I would have been had that opportunity yeah. uh, to debate Governor Whitmer, but she she couldn't have done anything better. She was cool, calm, collective, showed leadership. Um, just and Governor Whitmer was just a fumbling mess, this is a mess. up there for both those debates. I you wish could tell was she more. you could tell Gretchen Whitmer uh, has not surrounded herself with people that question oh, no. her because she does not know how to be questioned or oh, challenged. No, no. <laughs> she was surrounded by yes people, yeah. yes men and women. She was running from the basement. She wasn't battle hardened. Tudor was battle hardened. We we went after Tudor especially after the Trump endorsement fell apart with us. I took it personally. Um, and so I really, really went after her, and so did some of the other candidates. Um, and she got through it. And I really feel that she was battle hard and that prepared her for Governor Whitmer. Yeah. But, you know, my job, and I think, and we can evolve this conversation to wherever it needs to go, I'm going to hold people accountable. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I'm a conservative, but I'm pretty upset with the Republican Party right now. I mm-hmm. truly am. Um, and I don't like where the Democrat Party is going either. Mm-hmm. You know, the old school Democrats like the JFKs of the world, they would be considered moderate Republicans in today's age. Mm-hmm. So both of these parties I am fed up with, with I think a lot of people are. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to be holding people accountable, yeah. whether you're Republican or Democrat. Right. And when we win this thing, and I really feel that there's a red tsunami upon us, get your boat, right? <laughs> um, I'm going to hold these folks accountable for what they ran on. Yeah. And you better do the things that you said you're going to do while you're campaigning or I'll be on my soapbox yeah. holding these folks accountable. And that's where I think my role is going to be because I get a lot of questions. Garrett, you're going to run for office again. Yeah. I have no idea. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm taking day by day. I'm going to continue to get on my platforms and call out the hot garbage, as I say, 
and uh, hold people accountable. And if God opens a door, um, then you know me. I'll go all in. Mm-hmm. But if that door never opens, I'm okay with that. Yeah. And I'm going to continue with my platform going forward. But the accountability is going to happen. Yeah. Well, and I, you know, I noticed recently you're making a lot of content <clears throat> that's pro tutor, trying to do what you can do to help her get exposure. Um, you know, their campaign is very busy, obviously, in the last week, one week from They're today. They're dominating this last month. Yeah. You know, I was really concerned after the primary that they, they, they had to, I think they need to regroup. Yeah. And that's just kind of like not my strategy. I went, oh, let's go forward, let's hammer go. down, let's Full work. Speed. Um, and I was a little concerned in the beginning, like, where's she at? Where are you doing? Let, let's go get the people. Right. Um, let's, let's activate the people because we all want the same thing. Because I've always said, whoever wins in the primary, I'm going to get behind. Behind. And I've been on my platform supporting her ever since. Yep. And um, they're having events and they're good <clears throat> yeah, turnout at the events. Great turnouts now. Gotten some good endorsements. Yep. Great debates. Um, yep. So she's got momentum. But can it overcome the 37 million? Because this, this frustrates me is when I watch my videos on YouTube or Facebook, Governor Whitmer commercials are nonstop. Yeah. They're using my platforms to advertise <laughs> Governor Whitmer, which. Well, and what's amazing. amazing is, you know, side note that, you know, during the campaign, we couldn't get, I and mean, we were making so much content and we were getting 2,000 views, 3,000 views. And as soon as the campaign is over, almost immediately, all my stuff your videos get hundreds of thousands of views, yeah. millions of views. And it's like all of a sudden, it's like there was a switch, a switch that they flipped. Yeah. But neither here nor there. I mean, obviously, you know, hard fought campaign. Uh, we're behind Tudor at this point. We want 100%. her to win. We got to get Gretchen out. We're voting for Tudor. And Matt uh, DiPerno and Christina Caramo. Matt DiPerno, Christina Caramo. I mean, it's, if we, you know, if we can get two of those spots, mm-hmm. that'd be great. If we get all three, unbelievable, let's roll. Yep. One out of three, okay, we can live with. But yep. if we get swept, that's going to hurt. Yeah. It's going to hurt really bad because yep. look what these three have done to the state of Michigan already. I can't imagine another four years with no accountability because this is their last term. And then you see them standing Saturday night arm in arm with Obama. Obama mama. Obama. And Obama I mean, mama. you know, that shouldn't tell you enough right there that that's who they're with. That's who's behind them. And, you know, we just, you know, I don't know whether I don't know how you feel if you're watching. I don't know how you feel about Obama. And I'm not here to talk about him. I'm just saying I've determined um, that. Tudor matches the things that are are my values and that I stand for. I think she's going to make a great governor. Um, obviously, I would have loved to see a Garrett Soldano governor. That, that would have been amazing. But we're going to support Tudor, and, and uh, I encourage you to do your research on her. If you don't know who she is, look her up. She's had a tenth of the money that Governor Whitmer has had to spend. So yeah. it's hard to get her name out there. That's part of the challenge that we had. But I think she's, you know, hopefully we'll finish strong here and we see what happens at the polls on Tuesday. And, you know, one of the things that's going to be tough overcoming is the absentee ballots. Yeah. Um, because I mean, they sent out a ton. There's so much that needs to be fixed. And there's so many things that people have to understand when you run for politics. I mean, I, I somebody reached out to me from Arizona like, hey, I'm in pre-law and I watched what you did. And I want to run for governor, I think, too. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. Like, yeah. You better have a movement behind you. Yeah. You better be known. You better have a platform. If you don't yeah. have that, you better have a billionaire that's yep. going to support you. Absolutely. And people are like, well, it's not about money. It is, it, unfortunately. Unfortunately, it is. And I would love nothing more for Tudor's $2 million or $3 million of what she has in her war chest to beat Governor Whitmer's $37 million. Change the game. It would change the game. Yep. And it would allow people that they have a choice. Right. Or they have a chance, excuse me. But again, if you look at Tudor's campaign, a lot of that money came from establishment elites, mm-hmm. DeVos, everything else, mm-hmm. PACs. Um, ours was grassroots, not one pack yep. donated to our campaign. It was strictly grassroots. And I forget what the final tally was, but 97% was under the amount of $200, mm-hmm. you know, and that's where 
we, we need that win in some aspect to show people that the people matter. Yeah. Because if not, it's always going to be the elites with the money yeah. back in the candidates. Yeah. And that's one thing is the, the atmosphere that I want to change is even though we came up short, my goodness gracious, we were a player away from winning the game. Yeah. We truly were. Absolutely. And one or two things go our way, we're in. And that's just been the story of my life yeah. when you reflect back on yeah. it. But it lets people know, like, look, we're making ground now. We're taking back ground. We're no longer holding the line, but we're taking back lost ground. And it's going to have to be more than one election cycle. And I'm sorry for people to hear this. It's going to take three or four three or four more election cycles of doing exactly what we have done over the past two and a half years to continue to do that over the next decade for us really to set a foundation for what we know this republic can be. Mm -hmm. If we don't, this country's done. Yeah. And I don't know what's going to happen, but it's not going to be good for anyone. Yeah. Okay. And that's where people have to understand and know like, yeah, we lost this round. We lost this battle, but we have a lot of other battles that are being won right now at the local level, at school board, city councils, even at the state rep level. And that's going to leave a ripple effect for other levels above us. Absolutely. You know, the state and the federal. And so that's what the people must realize and remember. Um, and whatever God has in store for me, I'll do it with an open heart. I'll continue to keep my ego in check. Yeah. I'll continue to serve people and do it to the best of my ability and always leave everything out on the field. Yeah. Well, I was going to ask, you know, what are some of the things you learned from the campaign? But you just summed it up all very nicely there. And obviously, everything we do in life is a learning experience. Everything that we do helps us get better and stronger. We know more. Certainly, neither of us knew anything about politics going into this. We, I feel like we know a lot more now. You, you and, imagine with our knowledge now what yeah. we could do? Yeah. I mean, that's that's the cool part. If, if a door opens somewhere, Yeah. you and I both had this conversation already, we would do it a whole lot differently. Lot we different. would hire a yep. lot different people yep. because we have learned a lot. I mean, we went out for the NFL yep. and almost made the team <laughs> yeah. without ever playing the sport. Yep. I mean, that's, that's <laughs> exactly. what's amazing. That's a good point. Yeah. It's true it's because we had the people it. behind us. Yep. When you have the people behind you and people feel you and they trust you and they have faith in you, magic happens. Magic. Yeah. As soon as you lose that, you lose humanity. Well, listen, man, whatever you decide to do next, you know, in terms of if you decide to run for office, I'm with you, I'm behind you. And uh, whatever I can do to help, I'm always in your corner because I believe in the person that you are. I believe you're a real authentic, uh, a real authentic person. And what you see is what you get. Um, I have had a chance to see behind the scenes when the cameras aren't rolling, when nobody's watching and you're the same guy as you are. Even the passion comes out when you're talking to your kids and talking to your wife or even talking to your dog. You're a passionate guy. And uh, he's a good boy. Uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Rambo. <laughs> And, and the so. thing is, too, is, folks, like, I'm not perfect. Far There's from no, it. Far. I am. I pray every day for guidance. Um, and the thing is, is don't let your past define you. Even if you make a mistake, um, even if you've done something horrible, don't allow it to define you. Mm -hmm. You always have a choice. You always have a decision. And there's, it's those accumulation of decisions that will determine who you are and what you become. Mm -hmm. And the essence, the, the whole foundation always comes down to a decision. And even if you had bad decisions in the past, doesn't mean you can't make great decisions in the future. Mm -hmm. So forgive, put it behind you, and then go forward. Yeah. And do the right thing as best as you can. And if you make a mistake along the way, okay, dust yourself off, ask for forgiveness to your creator, to your person in the room, or to the person in the mirror, and the person that you wronged. And then move on. That's it. And that's what God wants us to continue to do is get better every single day in every way. Great advice. Excellent advice. And Gary, I appreciate you coming on and doing our little podcast here. I appreciate your time. Appreciate your friendship. I 
can never say thank you enough for all the things that you've done to help our state and to help uh, even you know my family and the things that you've done and you know what those are and I greatly appreciate it. But before we go, I'd like you to give I'd like to give you the opportunity to tell our audience and those watching uh, what you're up to today and how they can find you and uh, listen to you ranting and raving about the things that are important to you. Yeah, I mean, you can follow us on all of our platforms. Obviously, we have Garrett from Michigan on Facebook page. Um, we have the public figure page, Garrett El Soldano. Um, my YouTube channel, Garrett from Michigan. And we're here today to see what we need to do moving forward. Mm -hmm. What are we going to do to continue to attract people to this movement, this mm -hmm. unbelievable force, this power, um, to continue to bring people together? And I had the distinct honor tonight to go to the Shiawassee Stand Up Michigan meeting and speak tonight, which I haven't spoke since primary night. Yeah. And I don't even know what I'm going to say. Um, but <laughs> I'm, I'm sure gonna, you'll think of something. I'm always just going to follow my heart. Yeah. And I, I think it's, it's funny, like this prepped me, I think, for my speech tonight on some of the things I, I might talk about. So who knows? Good. It might be a complete train wreck, a clown show, but we're going to have fun doing it. And I'm going to continue to do what I do best is inspire and motivate what I feel is Michigan and America's greatest asset. And as the people, they stay activated, motivated, inspired um, to inspire positive change in not only our state, but our country. Awesome. So, yeah, make sure you're following Garrett online, all of his platforms. He really today is just... He's a voice, and he's going to say the things that need to be said. He's going to call out the hot garbage. He's doing a podcast, uh, sometimes a couple episodes a week, called the yep. Hot Garbage Podcast. It's a live podcast, so it's raw and unfiltered, and he's meeting with people that are just like you and I, standing up, running for school board, running for local office, uh, and just calling out the, the, the clown show, calling out the things that are happening in our world, the things that you're feeling but just maybe you're afraid to say or not sure if you should Garrett say it out loud. Him. Garrett say will say it out loud. <laughs> And he might swing an axe in the process. It is a great content. And we always hear there's a red tsunami coming, so go get your boat. Get and your so, boat, baby. So follow along with him. You'll be able to see what he's doing. But also, he's going to inspire you and give you courage to know that the things that you're thinking, it's all right. There's other people thinking that way. And, and uh, Garrett, we're excited about what's next. I know today we're going to do a little planning, talk about some of the things that you we're going to eat barbecue gonna and butter burgers from we're going to have some we're going to have some food today because you know the fat guy has to make sure that we get the food in you're getting your sexy um, on i'm you're trying lean, baby. i'm trying i'm trying so yeah man it's been great it's been uh, awesome uh getting to know you and thank you again for being our guest and uh thank you all for watching as my mother always said you can't and never could until you tried so go out there and try something great my friends and don't take the easy way out we'll see you next time